Merritt Weaver, Nurse Chappie. This is the first Emmy winner and second consecutive nomination for Merritt Weaver. She cut her acting teeth at LaGuardia Arts Public High School in New York City. today on a, a wing and a prayer yeah slice and dice number 11 we assume yeah we think we so. think now we're now we have to start using our toes to count <laughs> if only we could see them well yeah there's that so podcast number 11 official podcast pop ninjas.com yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. um been a while yeah then I'll, I'll take ownership for the for the Missing yeah. week. I'll blame you. Because <laughs> I was... I was in Mickey Mouse world, so... But, let's be honest, it's at, what's really been a while is a movie-based podcast. We've been five weeks since the last one of those. Well, what did we do last time? TV. We had no movie oh, yeah. cover. That's right. Three weeks ago, we did nothing but TV. Well, so this kind is... Of in the abyss there of the post-summer yeah, post and... We haven't we, quite got to the Oscars stuff yet. Because the last movie one we did is what? The World's End. Yeah. Um, that was There was nothing after that. Well, Certainly there's other movies, but we live in East Bumfuck. We live in Portland, the little city that can't nah. and doesn't get no, any limited release. The little city that won't. Right. Nothing limited release rolls out up here. Very. So, no, yeah. Very, very rarely. So, yeah. There's plenty of limited release stuff out, but until they hit BOD, we're screwed. Anyway... So, I figured we could talk a little bit about the uh, the Emmy Awards mm-hmm. from last week. I only watched, like, the first, physically watched, like, the first hour of it. Yeah, I didn't watch any of it. Because uh, Breaking Bad came on at that point, and, well, fuck the Emmys. Which is interesting, because there's a yeah. show that should have pretty much dominated the Emmys. There you have it. And they didn't do bad. No. Um, the award I wanted to see didn't happen, though. Um, well, you wanted Cranston? Yeah, I definitely wanted Cranston. But, I mean, I can't comment on uh, Bridges Bridges in the newsroom. Is it Bridges? Daniels. Which of the Jeffs is it? Bridges or Daniels? Um, I've, I've never seen the newsroom, but he's like a good actor. Episode. He's I a mean, good actor. Yeah, I don't know. And you would, I don't know. Is, is Breaking Bad not eligible next year because they're... I, I don't know when the Emmy bases it on. You would have to believe that this is for last season. Mm-hmm. So you got to believe that with Breaking Bad winding down at this point in the year, they should be eligible next year for the Emmys, you'd think. Right. Oh, well, well I guess we'll see. Come 
Next um, uh, September. Neil Patrick Harris was the host. I like NPH. you got to like Neil Patrick um, Harris. I mean, he's all right. I, I understand that he toned things down, that he basically had been asked to start with a big number and said, no, I just did that for the Tonys, and people don't need to keep seeing me do the same shit over and over and over again. Right, right. No, I like him. Um, if nothing else, the, the part of his opening monologue, we, we did prove that... Uh, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler should just host everything from this point forward. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> which is, I don't think either of them are funny necessarily on their own. I appreciate why off. people think they're funny, and yeah, they have, they do play off each other really, really well. They they have just the right chemistry. So I got I got an Amy Poehler thing, dude. I don't know what it is. I, I got, don't I, know what it is either, uh, dude. I got an Amy Poehler thing. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. It's whatever. I don't, I, have I, to just, my, I don't have to justify my this My challenge for that is my Joan Cusack thing. What? I'm kidding. Right, I, won't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would have I, no beer in the no amount of beer in the world. I'm sure she'd say the thing, same thing about me, and I don't disagree with her. <laughs> Joan Cusack thing. Oh, that's horrible. Especially with all the, the freaky hair color and makeup from Working Girl. Oh. oh, I forgot about that. Remember, she, that's when she would do oh. that weird punk face. Yep, yeah, I do. <laughs> Melanie horrible. Griffith had like 12 pounds of hair. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Oh, Melanie that's Griffith wore the the, the, the the 80s chick business suits that made her look like a giant triangle. Shoulder pads <laughs> and everything. She could look like she was wearing the same outfit that the linebacker just, would wear. Just walked off the Xanadu video <laughs> set or something. <laughs> Uh, I actually saw that movie in the theater. So did I. <laughs> so I don't say anything. <laughs> I had my my then girlfriend who became my wife and then became my ex-wife. She loved those kind of movies. So we yeah. saw that. We saw Pretty Woman in the theater. I just love a good Cinderella story. Is what she like? It's about a hooker. <laughs> One I wouldn't pay it, for. Yeah, it's it is too, Julia Roberts too, too is a hooker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> um, anyway, we'll just run through some of the uh, some of our reactions to some of the, the bigger winners. Actor in a comedy. Now, this, this is just, one's tiring to me. It is. It I, is I, I guess I don't get it. Um, it's because it's the same rehash show. Are you really telling me that Alec Baldwin every single year yeah. is one of the top? I, I just uh, whatever. Yeah. At least he didn't win. But the, the guy who does win is the other guy who always wins, right. Jim Parsons for Big Bang Theory. I still haven't seen any of the Big Bang I, Theory. I don't get, I've watched a few episodes. I flat out don't get what people see in that show. Um, I think it's not funny. It's terrible. Uh, Don Cheadle with House of Lies would have been, would have been good. Um, you know, I like Louis C.K. I wouldn't have minded seeing Louis C.K. You and I have been kind of all over the place on Louis, but we both appreciate what he brings to comedy. Yeah. He certainly has his own brand of it. Absolutely, and I mean, I, I've watched Louis, um, and I don't fully get Louis. I don't, I don't fully sit there and find humor in everything Louis does. But I, you know, I get it. He, he he's more of a, a real life comedian mm-hmm. as opposed to sitting there writing up a bunch of uh, just shit jokes to try to get a laugh. He's, but his show is immensely it, popular, mm-hmm. so. Yep, and I, and I like it more than I dislike it. So yeah, it, it, yeah, it's not one I have to catch. I'm not DVRing it, but on those Saturday nights when I'm middle aged balding fat right. guy like us, and yeah. I still think that the next Bill and Ted, he'd be a perfect Rufus. I agree. I agree. So. 
Uh, I was happy that actress in the comedy, I was happy that uh, they kicked Tina Fey to the curb here yes. on this one. I really don't hate Tina Fey. I just think Tina Again, Fey is tired. way overexposed. Yep. Um, I, I think she's I think she's brilliant. I do. Mm-hmm. But way overexposed. She's like that song on the radio that you hear every 20 minutes. The reason um, I dislike Hotel California. Yes. <laughs> you don't like Hotel California? I hate that song. Oh, that God, is my dude. most hated song. It's classic Eagles right there. You put two words together that don't belong together. Classic and Eagles, dude. <laughs> I fucking hate the Eagles. I yeah, agree I like, with Corolla. I, like I hate the Eagles. I was a Clapton fan. So. I don't mind Clapton. But how'd you go from from the Eagles to Clapton? Wasn't Clapton in the Eagles? Or was no. he in the Birds? He was in something. <laughs> was some, he, in? Some, he, was he was a bird fan. Some winged creature. <laughs> he was a bird fan. Who the hell was in the Eagles? Now I gotta know. It's Glenn Fry, wasn't it? And, I thought uh, Clapton was in that. No. Who the hell was Clapton in? Dude, come on. <laughs> what the fuck? No, 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 we need to know. How Clapton and... The Eagles were an American band, dude. So? Clapton was in what? He was in what? Was it Cream he was in at one point? Oh, maybe. I don't know. I, I don't know. If he Why are you have... going to IMDb I don't know. Maybe, for that? Maybe he, has a, he, maybe he was in something <laughs> at some point. Oh, yeah, fuck you, dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's going to be freaking... Well, actually, he's going to give a bio. Our foreign listeners are saying, you fucking idiots. Uh, Cream, yes. Cream, okay, Cream. (laughs) I don't know why I was thinking the Eagles, but whatever. I don't care. Fucking Glenn Fry and... uh, I knew Glenn Fry was in it. What's his spots? Boys from uh, Boys of Summer. Where they're going from? Don Henley. Don, uh, Henley. Don Henley's who I was thinking of for the Eagles. Yeah, my bad on that. Don, I knew Don Henley and, and Glenn Fry were the Eagles. I don't know why I was thinking Clapton and the Eagles, but anyway, I like Clapton. <laughs> I still like Clapton. But that's why I hate the hotel, Hotel California, because back when Portland had really like two rock stations, one was Top Forty and the other was Rock. Yeah. BLM, which I have nothing for. Every yeah. 20 minutes, they play Hotel California. You can only hear it so many times, like, I don't care. Hey, you know, you can check out, but you can never leave. Fuck you. So, the Nightman said that. I dated a chick that Dude, was her a, favorite it's song. It's about brothels. Then get, give me the brothel. I don't need the song. <laughs> I prefer the, the, the brothel song from The Simpsons, when the brothel appeared in the middle of town. Mm-hmm. That's a better song. Not Hotel Cup. A little, uh, little Best Little Whorehouse in Texas kind of thing. That's a great... I, I love that movie. Oh, absolutely. That's a great movie. Dude, well, you gotta love some classic Burt Reynolds. Oh, fuck yeah. Wasn't Eric Clapton in that, too? Yes, he was. <laughs> <laughs> he played prostitute number three. Right, 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 right. He was hot. Um, anyway, Julia Louis-Dreyfus wins for Veep. Um, I've seen some of Veep, and it's pretty damn funny. Never seen it. Um, HBO show, <laughs> rock on with the, uh, the non-network shows here, getting the love. Yep. Um, yeah, Veep's pretty funny, and uh, Tony Hale's in it, too. Um, oh, from the rest of yeah, it all. Buster. Yeah, yeah. Um, good stuff. Um, you know, I, I like Lena Dunham and Girls. I didn't think she'd uh, actually win. 
Polar, we've already discussed I have a Polar thing. But I like I like the Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Julia Louis-Dreyfus is one of those, if you dress her up right, she, she looks kind of, she can, yeah, yeah she looks good. I, I would have liked to have seen the shot in, the, in Seinfeld when her nipple is showing the Christmas card. Her nipple shot? Dude, I never watched any uh, Dude, I love, the, I love Seinfeld. There was an episode where she sends out her annual Christmas card realizing the photo that her, her shirt had slipped and her nipple was showing. Nice, nice. I, I would have liked to have seen that. Um, speaking of Tony Hale, he won for supporting in a, in a comedy, and you know for Veep again, um, which is awesome because he knocked out three of those Modern Family douchebags. Mm. I just, dude, I just, I've never seen one episode of, of Modern Family. I, I have know, no I, desire. I, to I've intentionally seen not seen because it now. I think they're all a bunch of fucking entitled yeah. douchebags. I don't care to see it. They they just read too many of their damn press clippings mm-hmm. of how great they are, and that's how they carry themselves. Yep. All of them. Yep. I, I totally agree. I'll, I'll never forget, I think it was the first year when, uh, and I think it was Golden Globes, and it wasn't Emmys, it was something where Glee knocked them off, won like the big prize, and fucking fat-ass Ed O'Neill, who I always liked Ed O'Neill, um, from Married with Children and all that stuff, but he was like, like... Quoted as just trashing that out, and I said, yeah. "Well, he's the one that yeah trashed out." There was a year that a, a, a different, a female other than Sophia Vergara mm. won, and he trashed well, it. Yeah, out. it was Jane Lynch, I think. Beat and Sophia it's like, Jesus Christ! Now I'm not, I, I'm not a big Jane Lynch person because no. I think it's a one-trick pony. But she's good at what she does, you and know you what? just don't take it's, it to that yeah, level. Well, exactly. It, it's it's still there's still a professional courtesy here. You know, you're still trashing out one of your peers who had absolutely no control over beating the girl right. from your show. And the fact of the matter is, you probably have to work with at some point because Jane Lynch is in everything. Yeah, to me, um, to me, Ed O'Neill has sort of turned out to turned into like a Chevy Chase. Yeah, he's just that angry, grumpy, angry, bastard. grumpy fuck. Although I, I'm sorry, I, I don't think Chevy Chase has an ounce of fucking talent in him. I think he's. No, a, he, I think he's a product of Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd, and he took and, over in a slot that it was a guaranteed home run. Yes. Anyway. Do I like Chevy in in the Vacation movies? I did. Well, yeah, but I would contend that anybody could have played that role. Yep. I, I mean, agree. It, 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 that was all script driven. I agree. Uh, supporting actress in a comedy, Merritt Weaver for Nurse Jackie. I've never seen Nurse Jackie, but did you? Hear or see about her acceptance speech for this? No. This was a complete upset. They really thought one of the modern family people would have taken her, even uh, Mayim Bialik for Big Bang Theory. And she was completely stunned. She went up there and she's like, thank you, thank you very much. And then she's fumbling around. She goes, I gotta go, bye. (laughs) Oh, yes, yes, I did see that. Yeah. It was considered one of the shortest speeches ever. It was, 16 words. And right after they cut to it, they cut to Neil Patrick Harris up there and he goes, Best accepted speech ever. <laughs> I gotta go. Bye. So, I, you know, I like it when the underdogs win, especially when they're up against uh, a bunch of modern families. I love Anna Klumsky because talk about a little girl who's grown up yeah, into being. She was, she was my she girl was or something? My girl. Yeah, my girl. She's grown up to be quite a specimen, And dude. kept her name Klumsky, oddly enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Behind the Candelabra wins miniseries or movie, which was probably a given. But Top of the Lake is on that list, though. Top of the Lake, if you haven't seen it, it's streamable on Netflix. You saw it? Brilliant. I've, I've seen Wait, it. Oh, really? I thought you were kidding again. 
Was Clapton in that? Yes, yes, he was. <laughs> he played the crocodile that was in the lake. He played the eagle. Yes. <laughs> no, Top of the Lake is, is streamable. That is, what is it? What, what's it about? It, it's like a seven-episode Australian. This thing, miniseries, to my knowledge, it's it's not a one-run. They're, they're talking about bringing it back, I believe. I could be pulling this out of my ass. But it, it was a seven-episode run. That's it's kind of like the killing set way out back Australia. The killing got canceled again. Yes, it did. <laughs> um, which just sucks because it was a great episode, a great season. But yeah, it doesn't surprise. I me. got, I didn't, I didn't really engage. Where I was about to get into a Twitter war with some douchebag about the killing, and because because all they were they were talking about, the, the guy tweeted something about like, thank God the killing was killed again, and I'm like. So I go back like, why Why do you care that the killing was canceled? He goes, because it was a crappy show. And I'm thinking like, then why are you watching it? What do you care that the killing is on? Is AMC the only station you get, douchebag? And why is it a crappy show? Well, you know what? I don't even care if you think it's a crappy show. But how about, I think you're wrong. But I don't care that you think that way. But So watch one of the 300 other fucking channels you have for that one hour a week that that show happens to be on. Because there's a lot of people who actually like that show. But it's that type of fucking arrogance that just pisses me off to no end. They, great, that, that show needed to go. Why the hell did it need to go? Because you didn't like it? Seriously, those yeah. kind of people I, I, just... Fucking yeah, the me whole off. internet flame boy thing. Yeah, I don't get it. I, 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 he proved his point. He argued with you one line. He feels better. I guess he argued from he, the winning side, which he knew was the winning side before he even made right, the comment. Right? Yeah, he argued with, with me in 140 characters or less. Right. That, that's awesome. You're a douche. So yeah, top well, like though, I could recommend that to anybody. If you, <laughs> it's very R rated because Australia yeah. really doesn't. And each episode is like 50 minutes a piece. Wow, one of the chicks from uh, Mad Men is the main character. He plays like this uh, chick who was born in Australia. No. Um, and Jennifer goes. Jones, Christina Hendricks, and there's that other. Uh, Kate Moss. Uh, yeah, yeah, Moss? Yeah, well, there's a. It's not Kate Moss, but. No, it's a, a Moss. El- Elizabeth Moss. That's her. Uh, yeah. Um, and then she basically goes stateside and comes back to work. Returned to her job in the police department, this way out back section of Australia, where it's just basically all these people have thousands and thousands of acres. They pretty much do whatever they want and keep whatever secrets they want. Right. So, definitely. We should make sure we're still recording. (laughs) We're recording. Yeah, this has been, this has been gold. Right, absolutely. People uh, are still well, you, laughing about you and Clapton. So. Well, sometimes in the past. Oh, I know. We've seen times where we it just stops and we don't even know it. And, and we we'll keep go, talking son, like, oh, of, son a of a bitch. <laughs> so anyway, behind the Kyle McKenna, uh, I haven't I'm, seen it. I'm but thrilled that it won. I really am. But to um, me, it was, a, it was, like you said, it was kind American of a American Horror Story, I still don't know how they're getting away with the miniseries movie there. I can only think it's because they're changing up people's roles every year. So mm-hmm. it really plays like a miniseries. And then they... Even though it, it exists, is good. Uh, I, I don't think it's certainly not worth it. But how the candelabra, dude? I as as much man love as in that. I loved it, dude. I thought it was great. But I like I like Soderbergh. Um, most of Soderbergh. I don't like all Soderbergh. I yeah, thought Haywire sucked. He, but 
Which is funny because there's a bunch of people coming up talking about how great that movie is right now. And yeah, I remember when you and I, I need to we watched it? that separately yeah. at the same time. It's the same night because yeah. I, I can literally remember it was the day before we went to buy our tickets for Hailstorm yeah. last year. And yeah. we're talking about the way to Boston. Did you watch Boston. that piece of shit, Hailstorm? Well, uh, was uh, Haywire. We're like, that was horrible. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I didn't like the first time. Maybe I need to revisit it. Oh, I'm not. <laughs> uh, that one I didn't like, and what was the, uh, was it Contagion? Contagion, I thought was, yeah. That was a real, Soderbergh's known for slow burns, yeah, that was a real I, slow Then you burn. look at Ocean's Eleven, you look great at Aaron Brockovich, which was a great movie. And what was the, uh, um, the one from earlier this Side year? Effects. Great I love Side Effects. Yeah. Um, and I, and I like Behind the Candelabra a lot. And segues right into the fact that Michael Douglas won an award there, and, and I'll give him and Damon a lot of credit because there was a lot of, a lot of <laughs> lip locking and crotch grabbing of each other in that in that thing. And it was great because Douglas. He, he, How do you think uh, Kurt Douglas would have felt about uh, that? Um, <laughs> what, he, he won his award. Michael Douglas went up there and says, "Matt." Half of this is yours. Do you want top or bottom? That <laughs> <laughs> was great. That's a great line. I don't know. Matt was the bottom in that, was it? He was the power bottom, right? Yeah, yeah. pretty pretty much. Pretty much. Um, what else we got? Um, getting into the drama categories. Reality. Reality is actually, because the Amazing Race has pretty much run away with things forever, and the voice have, pulls it out. Um, and yet you project one way for More criticism host. for it. With Heidi Klum. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the, vo- the voice won the actual series, but yeah. Um, yeah, the Amazing Race always seemed to, to get that. Um, the voice, I think, is... Has bitch slapped American Idol. American Idol is just a sideshow oh, now about of, who the it's about you the can't judges. even remember who the fuck wins any given season anymore. Nah, I, and I lost interest in that years ago. I, I watched a couple of years. I was passively interested in it, but and X Factor really hasn't ever been anything in the states. Mm. It's all the same shit. I don't right. know why we need it all. We don't. Uh, but but they're popular. Um. Uh, the guest actors and people we've never seen in those roles. So. In, in none of those shows that we've ever seen. So we got, uh, too much shit. Um, variety series. They don't, Variety series don't even really exist anymore. Not like we remember. Nah, the 70s like the variety Donnie shows. And Donnie and Marie and shit like that. The Carol Burnett show was great. I love Carol Burnett, dude. Well, I love uh, I love Tim Conway and Harvey Corman. Oh hell yeah! Um, especially when like when Conway would get Corman laughing and, and shit. Yeah, and they keep the camera rolling. They because everything was live. For Christ's sakes, how far down is this freaking? Just scrolling down, and I'm I'm finding a single bunch of camera sh- stuff. Uh, it's got to be on the bottom or something. What are you looking for? The drama categories. Well, apparently not. Apparently, we just went by them. Because all we showed, all we saw here was the comedies. And I'm looking for uh, for drama. It's not further up the top, then? It's, that looks... This is all stuff that's... Right now, our... Yeah, but I was, I was scrolling down as we were talking. Um, commercial. They actually have an Emmy for a commercial. That's how sad things have gotten. I, so right now, I'd recommend to our listeners to listen to a good... Good song uh, to a good podcast. As, listen to listen to <laughs> that classic album where Clapton was the lead guitarist for the Eagles. For the Eagles, yeah. yeah. 
Well, apparently it is up here somewhere, but see, that's all cat comedy shit. Oh, there oh, it is. It's, it's over to the side, so I didn't even notice it. That's rude. All right, so now all right, back to our show. <sighs> so Breaking Bad wins for best drama. Uh, I got no issues with that whatsoever. That said, though, there's some freaking heavies on that list right there. I mean, I, I there usually are. I, I three of those I watch religiously. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, Game of Thrones and Homeland. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, but I, I I think Breaking Bad's just in another class by itself this mm-hmm. year. I mean, and there's just no way you could. You could even get through uh, this legitimately without giving that a Oh, hell no. No, it, it's, it is by far the best thing going. Um, Cranston did lose out in drama um, to Jeff Daniels for the newsroom. I saw one episode of the newsroom, so I really can't comment on how well Daniels plays the role. Um, yeah, I would have liked to have seen Cranston win. Sure. John Hamm, he's just... That's kind of like the whole Alec Baldwin in a comedy thing. He's just he just gets nominated because that's easy. Yeah. But uh, that, again, for all we know, they could be Breaking Bad next season and next year's Emmys too. So yeah, and, and with the way this season's going, you you could certainly see an argument for for uh, Brian Cranston to to get nominated easily. Right. So. Uh, would have liked to have seen Vera Farmiga win in drama actress. I was hoping for that. Um, Claire Danes is starting to. I mean, she's fine in Homeland. Um, I personally don't think she's the best part of Homeland. Oh no, 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 no! But it's Damian Lewis is my favorite part, and uh, and Saul, dude, Mandy Patinkin. Yeah, I was gonna say the beard. Um, didn't he win too? Didn't Patinkin win? I thought he did. If he is, it's uh, supporting. I don't think so. Uh, no, he got nominated. He lost to Bobby Cannavale. Oh, uh, that's right, Bobby Cannavale. Um, which, I, you know, I've watched Boardwalk Empire. I haven't seen anything recently. Um, I kind of wanted to, Jonathan Banks to win just because my friend Joanna, is, that's her dad, which was pretty cool. So she, she like, uh, put a lot of, like, uh, Pictures from backstage at the Emmys up on her phone and stuff like that it was pretty cool. I like Mike anyway. Mike well, is awesome. Sure, sure. Um, that talk about a, a murderer's row though, right there with oh, uh, dude, it's horrible. Aaron Paul, Dinklage, Mandy Patinkin. That that's just you know, just throw a dart to to see who uh, who you want to pick to win there. Uh, actress in a uh, drama, we said Claire Danes. Supporting actress Anna Gunn. The thing is, I actually don't mind that. I, I like most people, don't like Skyler, but to me that's a testament to how well Anna Gunn plays oh, the sure. role. Sure, absolutely. She, she's perfect in the role. And um, she definitely plays her in such a way that you can't like Skyler because she spins everything. She plays the victim whenever she possibly can, yet she's lived a life very uh, happily. I think that was the right, to be honest with you, I think that was the right choice here because... Uh, Maggie Smith's Maggie Smith. Amelia Clark is great. In I Game don't of really. I don't think she gets enough. I don't think there's enough there. No, and you you go whole episodes where she's sure. not in it. Yeah, she gets maybe you know five minutes of screen time on average per and episode. Certainly, she's my one of my absolute favorite characters from Game of Thrones. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's very limited screen time. Now, same thing for Baccarin in, in Homeland. Yeah, especially last to, season. There's nothing to do there. No, she basically is the fucked over, well, wife, but 
working towards ex-wife. Right. Um, yeah, so those are the big ones. So I'm, um, but then, of course, Modern Family gets a fucking win for comedy. Well, I mean, yeah, that's unfortunate. Especially when you give two acting categories to Veep. Would have been good to see Veep win that. Yeah. I know Girls won the Golden Globe. Um, but eh, whatever. Fuck you, Modern Family. I don't care. Now, now that they won that, they're gonna they're gonna hold out for two million an episode each. But at their least heads will just get fatter. Breaking Bad got for best drama, and that yeah. to me is huge. Yep. Um, good win for people that deserved it. But now we can put our sights on the Oscars. We're hitting that season. We we are now what five months out from the Oscars themselves. Mm-hmm. So within the next eh, about two months from oh, now, we'll start really amping up towards that. Yeah, and we have three three months of Oscar bait movies to watch, mm-hmm. which I love this time of year. So do I. For that reason alone, that makes me gay, probably. <laughs> That, that's one on the main, the list that's kind of That and the fact me. that I rooted for uh, Behind the Candelabra. Yeah. Yeah. And you saw Bananarama. I did. You know, we'll always have Bananarama. We, we will. That's... That was our day. So... <clears throat> clowns. Let's talk about clowns. <laughs> I hate clowns. Clowns are what a... That's a gateway drug to pedophilia. Well, it is. Clowns, at some point, clown went awry. Because when you're like four... Nope, didn't like clowns then either. But you go to a circus and the whole clowns and you know, the whole clown car idea is cute. Now when you picture Most clown car, it's like, how many little kids are they trying to steal and hide in that little clown car? Yeah. Clowns... Clowns is... are fucking just wrong. Yeah. Uh... Clowns are creepy and stuff. Well, anyway, the only thing creepier than clown is probably guy in clown makeup. Because... Doing non-clown things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just, just being... You know, it's not It's not like... It's not like, you know, if, you, if you're grabbing a seltzer bottle or, or you know, <laughs> the horn, er, 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 you know, that kind of thing. At least, you're, at least you're partaking in the clown arts. Right. Okay? When you start, like you said, doing non-clown things as clown... That, that's that things become that's a little a more level. troublesome. Right. So we have the Northampton clown, the clown in England who was uh, terrorizing quote unquote the village of Northampton by just sort of popping up in random places in the village, including <laughs> like street corners, including uh, people's driveways, looking in their windows. <laughs> And it's not Just, like this was happy clown. No, it's, it's, not, it, it's he, creepy it's silent creepy. clown. <laughs> it's it's it level clown, right? Now, if you're just, like, walking downstairs with your bagel and, or muffin for breakfast, maybe you're going to go watch a little morning, uh, morning uh, news on the telly. You know, we're in England, so I use telly, yeah, that, right? right? Yeah, yeah. And you look out your window and you see clown. Creepy clown. Just standing there staring into you. Clown is not getting off my property. 
With all of his uh, mental faculties well, remaining. The stories of Clown just knocking on the window, too. Yeah. At, at like 10 o'clock at night, somebody's in the kitchen and Clown knocks on the window and there he is staring at you. This is not not good, dude. Now, I, I'd scare, be scared shitless. From thousands of miles away, as you read this and you see the pictures of Northampton Clown, it's far more amusing... Then probably because well, we're in the we're, victim we're. of clown. <laughs> to, to to quote Alien, we have exceeded the minimum safe distance. We we are <laughs> we are we are okay. <laughs> We've got a full ocean between yeah, us. We're, and we're 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 clown. good. But why a clown? I would almost feel less threatened if it was just just a guy with a ski mask and a gun. <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, if somebody pulled on the whole freaking Jason hockey mask, I think somebody was fucking me. Yeah. But clown just takes, takes it to a different level. And clown, you're kind of looking around, going, "Which one of my kids is he after, or is it me?" Well, yeah, that's just it. And I mean, come on, death by clown? That's horrible. That's kind of sucked. Are those two walls different colors? Because they look like different colors from here. That looks like dark green. That looks like olive green. Actually, you... I think it's the lighting because it's the same paint. Oh, it's your... Squirrel. How many... <laughs> Actually, it is. Doesn't it look different? No, it's definitely a different color, dude. No, it's the light. It is the light because it because it's the same paint, dude. Oh, you're right, you're right. No, it's the way the shadow's casting yeah. this way. Yeah. I'm just looking at that and I'm like, who painted that wall a different color green? <laughs> An evil clown. Broke in here and repainted and painted, my room. Painted one wall a different color to fuck with you. Yes. Fucker, I know his damn floppy shoes and big red nose are around here somewhere. I wonder what this will do to clown porn sales. <sighs> Clowns are, are in again, apparently. Yeah, dude. And, and again, we need a rebirth of clown porn. No, we don't. Yes, we do. Eric Clapton starring in... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Bozo goes balls deep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He wrote the soundtrack for that. <laughs> so let's just stop talking about clowns because clowns. Suck. Well, the thing is, though, we we do need to. Re- the, there's the person who was the clown. Has he ever actually come out and said, "I'm I the clown"? Well, no, I haven't heard that. Neither but, have I. But I heard they were he- trying to attribute it to there was some like. Not horse, some carnival thing going on in town. They thought some random person was trying to self-promote it, maybe. Mm. But that also is a good way to try to ease people's fears, too. Granted. But better ease my fear at 10 o'clock at night when clown raps in my window. No, that better never happen to me. (laughs) That better never happen to me at all. Um, No, apparently he got on some Facebook stuff and, like, said, Oh, my intention was never to scare people. It was, you know, clowns are happy people. No, (laughs) No, they're not. Clowns are pedophiles, okay? (laughs) That's what clowns are. Um, Stop dressing. The only thing worse than clown is clown in panel van. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You're you're in trouble. No doubt. Stop dressing as clown and just staring in people's windows. Clown. Um... So Papa Smurf died. He did. Um, I don't know what that means for Smurf. Well, I, don't even, Papa I don't even Smurf know what this condition was. Smurf at? I don't think so. Uh, well, maybe in some of the porns you watched, but <laughs> yeah, I don't. Want, there is Smurf porn too. But well, I haven't seen it. <laughs> I believe there is. 
Um, no, some dude that with some condition, I don't know what that condition is called, that turned his skin blue. Yeah, he started off as like one of the palest people there was, but not albino. Then over like a 10 year span, just it shifted to blue and he had the full white hair and white beard. It was almost the perfect pop of well, you, you might as well own it at that point. Oh, fuck yeah. It's like we say midgets. Midgets have to own it. Well, Papa Smurf may as well, too. Yeah, I mean, if we're just going to be angry and bitter, then just hang yourself. Right. You know, Whereas you can, if you're going to embrace it, then people know how to deal with it a little exactly. bit. Exactly. That, They're not as uncomfortable that. if you're making jokes about it. It would be, it would be awesome if people in this world were just tolerant and, and embracing everything, but it's not reality. No, I mean, look at us. We're two fat, cynical, middle-aged bastards, and we own that. Yeah, we we wear it as a shield, as a Whatever. as a badge. <laughs> you can walk up to me and go, "You're fat." Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 Uh, whatever. What's your point? <laughs> That's low hanging fruit right yeah. there. <laughs> down. Congratulations, <laughs> obvious man. Here's your fucking prize. I what the fuck you want from me? <laughs> Give me a sandwich. <laughs> but yeah, this dude, the dude, blue tinted skin and a big white bushy beard. Mm-hmm. Looked like Papa Smurf, but he died. Yeah, that, that, it is sad, but even though, admittedly, I'd even forgotten about the guy, because the, the story oh, came yeah. out a few years ago. Yeah. Then I hadn't heard anything since, and then I see on Yahoo, well, he died. Well, uh, speaking of Yahoo, i got to stop looking at Yahoo. because Well, not so much because Papa Smurf died, because you've run the risk of running into nose-on-forehead guy. Yeah, no, that, <laughs> that <laughs> like, photo, dude. What the fuck? I don't know how many times I kept going back to Yahoo, and how it was still on there. How many times I kept going and I'm going, I don't need to see this. And the, well, it's pretty common. No, it's no, not. No. It's have, nothing I common about not it. I have seen dude with nose on forehead growing it before. Oh, well, yeah. He he could, he didn't have any, like, nasal nasal cavity or something from some condition or something like that. So they grew a fucking nose. Yeah. Well, guess what? Complete with nostrils on his forehead. Can't they just take a drill bit and make nasal well, cavity? Do something. <laughs> What's well, he going to do if it rains? The, the nostrils are pointing up. Yeah, he drowned. Right. <laughs> he can't go on the rain. He'll drown. He can't blow his nose. Don't grow nose on your forehead. It's you horrible. don't do that. And then you don't come out and say that it's common. It's not. It's like the first time I saw that photo. Is it mice or rats? They're, they're cloning human ears and stuff on. Oh. And it was horrible. It is There's horrible. this rat. And I'm going, the poor fucking rat's got a human ear attached to it. What the hell? <laughs> Speaking of which, today we saw the 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 best sheep ever. <laughs> I don't know where you're going. Oh, with I'm this. not going anywhere with this, dude. I'm just talking about we we went we took the kid to uh, to a college tour today for her first college tour, and they have a little farm across the street where mm-hmm. they like grow a bunch of shit. They're, they're like affiliated with the college, so they like grow a lot of the foods that they cook in the, in the cafeteria. That's kind of a co-op setup. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Anyway, they've got goats, and goats are... Ah, goats are fucking awesome. <laughs> goats? Goat is that cute animal that's an attitudinal no. bastard. Goat? He is us. He He's the, I'm happy to be here, just don't get in my way. And, and if there's food, goat? really don't get in my way. Goat is awesome. <laughs> But and you know they had they had chickens and shit like that, but what they did have was the greatest sheep ever. <laughs> and I'm gonna and 
I should put this up on the Facebook page or something so people, well, so the three of you can can get a reference. Even though point. there may be more, again, we referenced that we had a uh, we had a bill last month for downloads for forty cents. Uh, that dude, that's got to be false positives. There's just no way. Or George raked this out of forty cents or something because he needed money for a soda. <laughs> Good point. But dude, there's nothing better than that sheep. <laughs> That is epic. It looks like sheep. he's wearing white face. Yeah, that that is epic <laughs> sheep right there, dude. <laughs> uh, you gotta love sheep, dude. Farm sheep. animals, period, to me are awesome. <laughs> cows have that eh, who gives a shit kind of look. Yeah, cows. Alpacas, <laughs> alpacas, llamas just are. They fucking, had a llama. Llamas are awesome, yep. dude. Talk about ad- attitude. Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah, <laughs> they they just. <laughs> They don't care about anything. Tina, come eat your ham. Uh, all right, let's break here. We'll come back uh, with a little. And uh, by break, we mean we're we need we're out of beer. Beers. Yeah, <laughs> we need more beer. All right, we'll be right back. Uh, here goes. Uh, start with uh, obvious. Excuse me, is that your nose or did a bus park on your face? <laughs> True, when you were born, the doctor turned around and sacked your mother. If I had a dog with a face like yours, I'd shave his ass and teach him to walk back. What'd you say? I'll use small words so that you'll be sure to understand, you warthog-faced buffoon. You pompous, stuck-up, snot-nosed, English, giant, twerp, scumbag, fuck-faced, dickhead, asshole! You stuck-up, half-witted... Scruffy-looking nerf herder! You clanking, clanking, clattering collection of collisionous junk! Okay, so we haven't done a douche of the week in a while, but we figured it's time to do a douche of the week. Because no, it was, well, it was too easy just to hand it to uh, Justin Bieber every week. Yeah. Um, Not, and a couple weeks ago, uh, Jaden uh, became douche worthy, but we didn't podcast then. Yeah. When he basically tweeted out oh. the school's unnecessary and everything else. Fuck, Fuck you, 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 you entitled. You're cunt. unnecessary, <laughs> is what you, Jaden Smith. You and your whole family go fuck off. Yeah. Totally entitled, has no idea what any of this means. Yeah, like you have a clue. But anyway, he's not the douche this week. Not the douche this week. And we don't know, we don't even know this guy's name. We're just going to call him Priest. Yes. And you may or may not have heard this story. A lot of the uh, morning uh, drive time news shows picked it up. Morning shows picked it up. Um, a priest somewhere in the U.S., and I can't remember where. Oh, thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, threatened to stop a wedding ceremony because the photographer was behind him. Snapping photos. snapping photos of the bride and groom that were standing in front of the priest. So it was basically, you, you were seeing the back head of the priest, and then you could see the bride and the groom uh, on the other side. And apparently he didn't like the clicking from the cameras or whatever it was, and he turns around and goes, please leave. Mm-hmm. It's a solemn assembly. It's a solemn assembly. And he goes, he rolls on to go about like this, you know, in the, in the, the face of God and all this kind of shit. Meanwhile, you see the... the Bride and the groom that are just sort of like sharing nervous glances like, uh, what the fuck this is, is this guy doing? All hell. This is real uncomfortable and quite frankly I paid a thousand dollars for that motherfucker to be back there mm-hmm. snapping pictures of me. <laughs> what the hell are you doing? So is this priest out of line? Completely out of line. Yep. 
I agree. You can't tell me. First of all, you were not in a church. You were Hell outdoors. No. And and where the photographer was standing is a common place for them to stand. Mm-hmm. Photographers were standing back and apparently, if you're looking at the priest, would be back and to his left. Mm-hmm. Which, that means they're getting a shot of, they can look straight on at the groom, or to the right, they can see the, the bride. Mm-hmm. That that's not uncommon for photographers to be there. You spend all that money for a photographer. You want those shots, right? And I don't understand where the priest gets off or minister. I don't know what the fuck he was. Probably a minister because priests won't even fucking step outside their church for weddings mm-hmm. or anything. Um, I just don't. I don't know what possesses a guy to infringe upon a bride and groom's day like that. It's a fucking wedding. Of course there's a photographer standing behind you. Mm-hmm. There's going to be. Every single one of them. And and he isn't chastising the guy because he's because he's messing with the bride or the groom or, or making them uncover. They want him there to get these pictures. He's pissed off because this is like this, this big holy event. Mm-hmm. And he thinks that the photographer's disrespecting the, the presence of God. Dude, go fuck yourself. It's absolute utter bullshit. All he's doing is he's destroying the big day that the bride and groom wanted. Mm-hmm. If you spend that much money, the average person who dumps that kind of money in. I'm saying dump because to me, it, I don't get people spend that kind of money. And you, it needs to be said that, that ministers getting paid to do this service. Handsomely. They do not do this for mm-hmm. free. So as far as I'm concerned, man of the cloth, you work for fucking me. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you where the photographer stands and doesn't stand. Now, the only thing I can say is, I, I would be curious to know if the photographers were using digital equipment. Because I believe you can turn the click sound off. But still, cares? It, the minister was being a total douchebag. All he wanted to be, he looked... The look he had made him look like that guy who's just having a rotten fucking day, mm-hmm. and he's taking out everybody. Mm-hmm. So the bride and groom will probably won't be married more than three years, so <laughs> but they happy them, them for they now. They took him away from his day of, uh, of fondling little boys. That is tough. <laughs> I mean, that's a whole lot of diddling he could have been, been doing mm-hmm. at that given moment. But... He, he was totally out of line. The, the, the photographers were there for a reason. They paid good money. He was paid good money. And you can tell the way the bride and groom acted. They were borderline offended and didn't know what to do at that point. Yeah, well, yeah. what do you do? If you're them, do you, do you stop the priest and go, dude, he's, he can be there? Mm. No, because the last thing you the want... Because the priest was not advocating for the bride and groom. Right. He's just pissed because... But the problem the bride and groom has is... Then if the priest up and leaves, they're fucked. Correct. Because he's the only one that can legally officiate that. Well, I can't say that. I'm assuming that nobody else in that right. audience could have legally officiated it. Right. So they'd be fucked. He'd be the one that have to sign off on it. He leaves. They're out everything. Right. And they're not married. So they had to keep their mouths shut and let the priest rant at the photographers for no reason whatsoever. Right. So do you not pay priests at that point? Oh, I... Or do uh, you at least give priest what for? I, I, I pay him because he did his service and he signed off on it. 
but I let him know exactly how douchey he really was. Yeah. That it was totally uncalled for, and that I wanted the shots. Right. I paid photographer right. for those shots. Right. So, and I think the priest needs to know that. Right. Good. So, angry, bitter priest, you are our the douche, douche of the week. week. So, should we do a quick pause here and collect our thoughts about what we watched, or do we just go right into it? I think we should just. I'm going to make a break here just so I can add a, uh, a cheesy sounder, and then we'll pick up. Let's with, uh, go to yeah, the yeah, pretty. watched movies i've watched movies we watched movies we've watched tv yes um i think we're going to segue from the tv stuff into our next segment so we'll talk movies first okay by all means fire away all right so i've seen two movies this week and the the first one i'll start with is drinking buddies which is which a, i want to see it it's it's a little film uh starring Olivia Wilde, Anna Kendrick. Giggity. giggity. Uh, Are they both giggity in this movie? Oh, yes. Uh, Ron uh, Livingston, uh, who most people know from either Office Space or his burger from Sex and the City. And Jake Johnson, I believe his name is. Oh, the guy from New Girl. Yes. Yeah. Um, And basically, Olivia Wilde plays plays the only chick working for a microbrewery. And she is that chick any guy would give his left testicle to hang around with. She's fucking cute, hot, loves throwing the F-bomb down, loves hanging, nothing more than hanging out with the guys, going out for beers after work, shooting pools, staying too long, and just being one Listening of Listening to old Eric Clapton Eagles albums. Exactly. She has all of them. Right on. Um... And she, her closest friend in the microbrewery is Jake Johnson. She's dating Ron Livingston, who, if you remember him from Office Space and that's it, he's a cool guy. If you've seen him in anything else since, he always plays the same character. He's that guy who's way too bookish, way too into himself, kind of arrogant, very aloof. Um, it's just the way he comes off, but he... He nails it, because that's what he always plays. So, clearly not the right fit for this kind of chick. She shows up at his apartment after biking over there, totally uh, totally liquored up, and he's about to nail her, and he goes, oh my god, I forgot, and he bought her his favorite book. And it was like a self-help kind of book for her to read. That kind of guy. And she wants nothing more to sit and have a beer, and let's pop a bottle of white wine, and... 
play jazz music and have a nice quiet evening. That kind of douchebag. He wants that? He wants that. Uh, He's it's that kind of douchebag. Uh, you know, and she's the perfect woman. It's got a whole drawer full of wool caps somewhere. It's it, <laughs> and that's the kind of if you ever saw Sex and City with Burger, he's Burger to a T. Um, Jake Johnson is has the opposite situation. Well, let me rephrase that. Jake Johnson is the male version of Olivia Wilde. Got it. And he's exactly dating Anna Kendrick, who's dating a chick who's the same as Ron Livingston. Unfortunately, it's in Anna Kendrick, who I know I've read enough with her. I can't buy her in that kind of role because she is the epitome of the cool chick. If you ever read anything with her, you see interviews with her. And maybe I'm giving her a little bit of love because not only is she hot, but she's local. Mm. <clears throat> but it's Anna Kendrick. And, of course, they, they go for a retreat to Ron Livingston's family's private lake house or something. And at, when he decides to call a night at 10 o'clock, and the other two are, are, well, and Olivia Wilde has to go with him until he falls asleep. And she gets up and finds Joe Johansson awake, but his Anna Kendrick's so cold. They go and sit down by the beach. And you can see where this is going. It, mm -hmm. it, the movie calls itself a comedy. I, I would really stop short on the comedy part. It, it plays off more as the whole wake up kind of romance. Wake up, it's staring you in the face. The problem is, how many of these movies have you already seen? It's always the cool chick. It's always the cool dude with the chick or with the dude that they shouldn't be with. Seen it a million times, and that's the problem with Drinking Buddies. That time this movie was flat out boring mm -hmm. because it's not a comedy, and you it belabors the point scene after scene. Uh, uh, it, when you're going, will you guys just get the fuck over it? Figure out what it is. Figure out if you two belong together. Cast the others off and move on. And you're saying this 30 minutes into the movie, and it's 90 minutes long. Um, selling point for the purian interest, Olivia Wilde topless scene, she has one. Um, other than that, I would struggle to truly recommend it. I can say this, if you're looking for that romantic kind of comedy, and you don't mind that kind of movie, or you just flat out want to give some love towards Olivia Wilde and Anna Kendrick, you won't go wrong, this movie's not a bad movie. However, if you're really looking at that movie that'd be a fun Saturday night viewing, I can't recommend it that way. I'd give it about a two out of five. Hmm. That's disappointing. I've heard good things about it. And, and for some, apparently, it's playing off well. You read message boards, and it's all over the place. It's It's got a, a good rating on Rotten Tomatoes, but then you read people that don't like it and they say kind of what I did that at times it's just flat out boring I literally fell asleep at one point watching this movie and had to rewind it because nothing was going on right well I uh, I spent an hour and a half of my life I'll never have back and it's not that I went into this expecting that uh, that my reaction would be any different but I've had an epiphany I threw down, finally, on demand and saw Sharknado. You did that on demand? No, no, no. I, I, no, I didn't pay for it. It's, uh, oh, okay, thank sci God. Sci-fi. Sci-fi on, on no, demand. No, no, no. I didn't pay I'm for like, it. whoa, whoa, whoa. Sci-fi on demand. Uh, okay. 
And, and I knew what I was getting into when I saw it. But, and I know sci-fi, this is their shtick now, is let's see how stupid and cheesy we oh, can make this running stupid thing. Which, which is fine, I get it. But then I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, I mean, this is this finds all new levels of horrific and stupidity. I got I got through uh, I don't know Giant Octopus versus Gatoroid or whatever the, whatever the fucking one I did when Debbie Gibson and Tiffany threw oh, down. Yeah. But I just wanted yeah. to see Debbie Gibson and Tiffany throw down. That's all I really had for that. And movie. they had that scene in there. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> this one here, I knew it was just another one in in a, in a sequence of these shit movies, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, you know what? This is no... I sit there and I completely trash out the fuckers who spend no time and effort trying to make these scary movies, epic movies, this kind of stuff. That's exactly what sci-fi is doing oh, here. Sci-fi... They're finding a couple of, of D-list celebrities... Yeah, in this case, Ian Ziering and Tara Reid. <laughs> yeah, D-list celebrities, throwing them in here and just making crap movies and then... Now, granted, at least it's on a, it's on a network and they're not making you go to the theater and spend ten bucks for it. But it's really the same principle. It's really just saying, it's like, you know what? We can get away with this. We don't have to try hard. We don't have to, we don't have to do anything creative. And, and, and people are eating this shit up. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching this and I'm like, I'm not getting any enjoyment out of this. No, their movies to me are so bad, they're not fun to watch. This there's, is... there's bad that's fun to watch. I, again, I love Birdemic. But Birdemic is a different kind of bad because you know that the director thought he had something. Right. And he flat out didn't. Right. And, and he, that makes it fun. On sci-fi, they know exactly sci-fi, what they Sci-fi, they have. know what they've got. It, but it would be fun if they would just make some sort of effort to like almost acknowledge the cheesiness. Oh, they lampoon it. Yeah. That'd be a blast. Right. And and they fall a little short of that. Now, I know they know they're making what they're making, mm-hmm. but they fall short of the lampoon aspect, which makes it just feel like like a bunch of hacks just not trying hard. Yeah. And that's what this is. And I'm like, I don't need to see this. I don't need to see any more of this shit. Well, Unless you're going to give me more Debbie Gibson and Tiffany rolling around in whipped cream. Oh, what a what and an that's all I, and that's all I need to see. I'll just watch that clip on YouTube. Yeah, just loop it. Yeah, it's, yeah, um, yeah, dude. It, it's brutal. I mean, at times it's birdemic level brutal, but not fun like birdemic. It's, but it wasn't fun. That was just birdemic it. when you have the, the birds that look like those horrible yes. old screensavers from yes. ninety five. The flying toasters, but and they're the birds, and you're laughing your ass. It's like off Space Invaders. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh God. I had. I just didn't have any fun with this. Yeah. And that's what I think. I. I. I want to think that that's what they're trying to do is just like have fun with the cheesiness. There was stuff there that was just so ridiculous. I caught just the first fifteen minutes of that one because I want to say on Labor Day they rolled out a few of their different movies in the eight o'clock course. That's the one that's been buzzworthy with Sharknado. Right. Right. And I caught just 15 minutes of it. I'm like, this now, I'm, this isn't fun to watch. It wasn't and by then, the, the, the tornado's already carrying the sharks around. Mm-hmm. And you had that weird meeting on the boat of the Japanese guy with the people. And I don't even know what that had to do with anything. No, but it, it was just stupid. Yeah, it's horrible. Um, and not, not even watchable. But Sharknado 2 is coming. And this time it's New York City. Awesome. So, yeah. Uh, no, uh, completely unwatchable. And um, Tara Reid hasn't been invited back. 
Because, uh, let's be honest, they only paid him, I want to say, was it 75000 per major actor? Major. I, oh. And they thought, thought Tara Reid was so bad, they didn't even bring her back. She, you know you're bad she when even sci-fi doesn't want you back. Right, this was more Ian Zero. Ian Zero's in it again. Um, and it was more his his flick than hers, but yeah, it just uh, it was brutal. Um, uh, zero out of five. <laughs> Unless you like that shit, then I'm sure it's a five out of yeah. five for you. Yeah. Um, I'll jump in then because I got one more than yeah, you. Yeah, no, go for uh, it. I did finally catch the East. I can see this. I am a big fan of Britt Marling. I think she's just a very talented young actress, uh, writer, actress, and stuff, and and. Batman Geely or whatever his his name is as a director is is, is pretty. Is there a better name no. than having Batman in your Batman name? Batman in your name. Uh, I don't think I don't actually don't think Batman's in his name, but uh, I think it's Bat something. I yeah, yeah. whatever. But it, it's close enough, right? Um, the East was was really good. I liked it. I I think between Another Earth and Sound of My Voice, it's probably my least favorite of the Brit Marling movies, but still. I like those other two quite a bit, mm-hmm. um, and I like this. It's basically this this uh, anarchy group that calls themselves the East. They're kind of like eco-terrorists, so there's really no reason to like any of these people because they're basically just a bunch of wool cap-wearing fuckers that like to go and try to attack major corporations. Like, they go into a... They, they find a way into a, uh, a big ball that, that's for a pharmaceutical company, and they basically poison all the people there with their own yeah. drugs and shit like that. Not kill them, poison them, but, like, but just make so them we've sick. We've proven a point. Man. Yeah. I know you really haven't. Yeah. <laughs> and so basically they're just anti-capitalist, anti-American big corporation, all this kind of stuff, which you know right there that I fucking hate you if, if, if you're that... Do, do I, you know, you know, I'm not going to get political here. I, are there are there problems with big corporate America? Absolutely, they are they're isolated problems. Um, the, the the crux of capitalism is something we should all be fucking embracing and not trying to tear down, mm-hmm. which is what people are fucking doing today. Oh, we're going fucking socialist in our um, country, dude. Yeah, they want it because it's me, 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 gimme, gimme, gimme. Nobody wants to work hard anymore. But fuck it, I'm not going to get it. Don't don't even get me started. So anyway, Britt Marling is actually like a, uh, um, I don't know if she was CIA or something like that, but she's, a, she's an agent who was tasked to infiltrate the East. Um, and as she's, you know, as she's as she gets in there, and Alexander Skarsgård, Ellen Page, they're both part of this, uh, this organization, and she starts getting like some romantic interest in Skarsgård's character, and... And stuff, and basically, her opinions start to change, and she starts to understand the East, and she she's more like starting to side with them on things, and, and she hasn't turned completely that way, but and then things happen, things evolve, and like I said, it's really not a bad flick. It's it's constructed well. Um, I I'm not necessarily necessarily sure I'm on board with any kind of message they're trying to send here, but I didn't also I also didn't feel like it was some sort of heavy-handed message. I didn't feel like that they were trying to cram down your throat that corporate America is is bad and and these wool cap wearing occupy motherfuckers are good. I think that's just they just used that as their muse in making this flick. I didn't feel like it was uh punching you in the face one way or the other, making you think one way or the other. It was just a story about these people 
and and, and Britt Marley and, and her her evolution with this group. Um, I liked it. Like I said, I think part of it probably is is just that because of the subject matter, it's my least favorite in her series. But her least favorite for me in this series still rates at about a three out of five. Um, Sound of My Voice is still my favorite. That, for me, is still a good yeah, I've got to, solid, I've got to find uh, somewhere to get that It's movie. still a good solid four out of five. Another Earth is like three and a half out of five, and this one here probably falls, the East probably falls like to a three out of five for me. Still, still worthy, still impressive to see. Um, uh, I still want to see what Britt Marling is going to keep doing next. Cool. Plus, she's giddy. Yeah, no, Britt Marling is not hard on the eyes. No. I'm up. Hmm. So I caught a movie that was uh, rolled on, I believe, at Sundance called Blue Caprice. Which I want to see. Uh, the, the story of the, the Beltway Killers. from. And Michigan. I almost pulled this one off, too. I, I, did, I didn't end up put, put watching oh, it. Oh, you thought about it? Well, because I'm sitting there like, what's that fucker going to watch? Because I, <laughs> I wanted to steal one from you. It, it was, uh, was it, what, Isaiah, what's his name, Isaiah Washington? Maybe. Well, then I'm going to IMDb it, because I don't want to leave it hanging like Eric I'm making Clapton, so I believe, some, was in Blue Some Caprice. black reference, Lionel Washington. I'm fairly certain it's Isaiah Washington. Uh, da, 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 fill in the blanks, people. Uh, no, it was Eric Clapton as... Uh, Eric Broadway. Clapton as the car. <laughs> he wasn't in the cars, he was in the Eagles. Good point. <laughs> well, that would be Rick Ocasek. Ah, uh, yes, indeed. I liked me some cars. Isaiah Washington um, was the quote-unquote father, and uh, Tequan Richmond was Lee, who everyone, if you don't remember, uh, I believe it was in 2002, there was just this random killing spree in, in the beltway around D.C., where just random people were being shot. They'd be pumping gas. And there was, what, 12, 15 different people shot. Yeah. And there was no connection. There was no pattern. And every day, there were one or two more people that were shot. It was just 100% random. Cops didn't want to call it serial because there was no pattern to it. It was just like they were trying to fuck with people. And when they finally caught on... The people were driving a blue Caprice Classic, and it was a guy who was a 40-something a former, former military uh, African-American and his quote-unquote son that he basically brainwashed into thinking that people had this coming. And, and this movie doesn't do much in terms of the killings. The first shooting doesn't even happen until probably the last 20 minutes of the movie. Oh, let me back here. Really? The first Beltway shooting. When he's amping the kid up, there are other killings along the way. And that goes along with the story because now if you look at any news on it, it appears that they came in through Washington State and there were other deaths as they traveled across the country that the police are trying to link back to them. Doesn't matter. Father's already been sentenced to death. I believe he was lethal injection back in 2009. Kids serving many, 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 many years in prison. They, he, I, he won't get death because the fact of the matter is he was a kid and mm. they say he didn't know what he was doing. The, the movie spends more time on 
the quote unquote father. And in this, they clearly show the kid, the, the guy was never the kid's father or stepfather or any of that. It was just that mom, and I believe they were in Barbados, mom just packs up and leave, leaves the kid because she decides she wants to go to work in the U.S. because there's money to be had. And this guy that became his father was just some random dude that everyone knew in this town in Barbados who'd been in, the, who was a... a U.S. citizen that had had issues. And so the guy goes back and, and pretty much brings the kid with him and calls it his kid. And from the get-go, they show the guy's fucked up because he, he takes his three uh, children and basically kidnaps them because he, there's a, a uh, court order saying he can't be within X number of feet. So what's he do? He steals them. And says he can't really kidnap them because they're his kids. You can't kidnap your own kids. And this is the kind of logic that he uses throughout is he has this weird twisted belief that everything that he and his kid are doing are for the better good. Right. Uh, the, the way that he convinced the, the kid to do the shootings was that the ransom would go towards, as he put it, housing for a hundred and. 40, I believe, African-American children that they could, the ransom collected for taking them down would be given to provide housing for African-American kids who are homeless. So it had the, the perfect ends to the means. The movie is all around watching them build this relationship. It is one of the creepiest movies I've seen in a long time at that point. Because as you're watching it, you're going, this guy is just plain fucked up. Mm -hmm. it, 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 he's literally it, in, if this movie is accurate at all he's ranting about it walking through a supermarket aisle we'll take out a, a man when they think that we're killing men then we'll switch to women when they think we're just killing women then we'll switch to kids when they think we're just going to start killing kids then we'll shoot pregnant women and really keep them guessing and keep going boom ba boom ba boom and then we'll shoot elderly, and then and by then society breaks down. And this is the logic he was using. That because he fucked his life up so badly, society needed to pay. And he used this as a way to twist the kid. That if they did this, then the African American people would end up having a better lot in life because they proved a point to the man. And you feel really bad for the kid. And Taekwon did an amazing job. But this movie really belongs to Isaiah Washington. He is so all kinds of fucked up. And as you're watching it, you're looking at it going, if he didn't get the death penalty, he sure as hell deserved it. I remember him getting the death penalty, I believe it was in Virginia, because he had multiple states that had but death warrants. But he's probably not dead yet. Oh, he's dead. Oh, he did. They, they, they put him, him down, I want to say, in 2009. He, he oh, got the death right. They They sentenced him and, and went through with it. There was no governor in the world who was going to... Uh, give a stay on that one. Um, but because it plays on the relationship, this movie is actually really creepy. I would have liked to have seen more on the Beltway killings themselves. Call it my own morbid sense of curiosity because being up here, I remember hearing about mm -hmm. it every day. There's news stories, another two killed. Mm -hmm. Another two shot. And just how random the whole thing was. They don't do much of that. It's more about the building up of it. But in that time, you will gain such a hatred, if you didn't have one from the get-go, of the guy that... You, it, it's... To be honest, 
in this movie, you could argue he's one of the, the bigger villains we've had in the past decade. Wow. Right to the point where he, if you read news stories, and, and in this they show it, he embraces what Saddam did to us. And what Bin Laden did, he, he feels that it's all justified. You're talking to a former military guy. So he's just fucked up. He's just all kinds of fucked up. For me, this movie's a four out of five. It, it's, it earns its R rating. It's very heavy. And again, if you're going into it to see a story about the Beltway killings themselves, you're not going to. A surprise appearance by somebody you and I have discussed... That you don't see in anything anymore. Joey Lauren Adams is in this movie. Nice. If you, if you want to go back to uh, Mallrats Days and Clerks. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Mallrats and one or two other uh, films. Mallrats and Chasing Amy. Yeah. That's what she was. She wasn't in and she had a thing. No, no. Uh, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, and I think Jane Silent Bob. She was one of the many people walking out of the theater, I believe, in the yeah, end. Yeah, 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 yeah. But she, she has a part playing basically the white trash... Uh, Wife of the one white friend that Isaiah has. But yeah, four to five. It's well worth seeing. Just don't expect to get much on the Beltway killings. It's more on how, quote-unquote, father built this relationship with his kid to actually do the deed. Interesting. Definitely on my list. It's it's definitely worth seeing. That I wanted to see. The one that's definitely been on my list that I finally got around to was The Kings of Summer. I see this movie, too. Um... It wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be. I was expecting more of a stand-by-me kind of uh, kids together. And, and I could see some comparisons to this. It was basically about these two kids that get together uh, that are, are tired of their parents. You got the one kid who has the single father, played by Nick Offerman, who steals... I love Nick Offerman, dude. Offerman steals this flick uh, easily. He's just so deadpan uh, as a person. And I didn't realize this movie was as much of a comedy as it was. Oh, I it's thought, very full um, of current up-and-coming comedy. Yeah, it, it, it was. Um, and I didn't realize it was funny. Nick Offerman is just a freaking riot. But he's, I want to say... He's in it. Brie Larson, I think, yeah, is in it. He's the he's the single father of the kid, and the kid, you know, it's one of those. The kid is just sort of a little fucked up after mom died or divorced. I don't remember what happened, but mom's out of the picture. Um, and then they got another kid whose parents are just. Uh, I think Megan Mullally was was the mom, and I can't remember who the dad was, but they were just. I mean, we're talking like Ned Flanders type thing, and the kids got nothing for it. So we've got two kids here that are basically just not happy with their home lives. And you got this third kid played by uh, Moises Arias. And I know that means nothing to you. He was basically, uh, he came up in the Hannah Montana Disney type thing. I don't know if you, uh, you probably have never seen an episode of Hannah Montana. Not but he was, he was the, the little kid who owned the little uh, snack shack on the beach and stuff. He was pretty funny. Kid's still about freaking four foot nothing. Um, but he's basically just played this third wheel. You never really catch much of his uh, his home life. He's just this third wheel awkward kid. Is basically if you took Brick from Anchorman when he was a kid, and you've got Moises Arias's character here, just totally off the wall weirdo fucking kid. So you got these three kids. They decide that they don't want anything to fucking do with their home lives anymore. It's summer from school. They go out in the middle of freaking woods and they build the ultimate fort, almost to like a, a, a like a, a ramshackle house 
level thing. I mean, they steal shit from, from construction sites. They steal shit from all over the place. And they make this freaking house. And they're essentially running away from home and living in this, this thing out in the woods. Did you ever do that as a kid? I, I built forts. And run but, away from home to do no, it. No, no, no. Build that fort, though, where every day you're out there and you're using hammer, nails. Absolutely. Because we Absolutely. did. We, we had this well, thing that had multiple rooms. Oh, yeah. Yep. We had the, the fire pit in front of it. We actually that, did it in... in uh, a friend of ours had, like, a big backyard, and we did it there. So, I mean, we, we didn't, like, sleep overnight in it or anything well, ours that. was... But we could have. Ours was in the forest on a path... Uh, we found this, uh, we, there was this path that went behind one of the, uh, mm-hmm. connecting a couple of the roads in, in the town I grew up in, but we found this rock, like, bluff, you went up over the top of it, and there was a perfect clearing of maybe, like, 40 feet, and we built it there. We cut a bunch of trees down, and literally was strapping them together. This, this is a, 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 definitely a male kid thing to do. At some right. point, you build a, and you talk about it like it's your house. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It becomes, you're that proud becomes of your that obsession. Shit. You're proud of that shit. And then, and then, of course, you would always, you know, back in, back when we were kids, it was always cool because the one kid who could, like, sneak the beer out of his parents' fridge oh, yeah. and stuff and bring it there, and, you know, it was great. Yeah. I loved it. Um, but anyway, these kids build this thing and they bring some girls out there and they party. And it's basically just them being content with themselves because they don't have to deal with their fucking parents and shit like that. And and you can see where this is going to go. It's like eventually things start to turn a little south on them and they start to realize that it wasn't that bad there. And the parents are at the cops and it's a big, big uh, national broadcast, like this search for these kids and stuff like that. And finally one of them gets hurt and then they're forced to, uh, to get back out into the thing. And they get it's a... It was it was good. It, it was it didn't. I thought it was going to be a little better. I did. Um, there were parts of it that just felt a little slow. There were there were a few too many parts of just kids moping, sitting there moping out into this thing, bitching about life and stuff like that. So there was some slow parts. Like I said, Offerman was great. Offerman was the funniest part about it because he's just a sarcastic fuck. Um, it was good. It wasn't great. This doesn't, in any, for me, it didn't did not reach the lofty heights of Spectacular Now or the Way Way Back. Right. Um, I, this one falls probably That's kind of where people have been comparing it. As, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it came out around that same time of that yep. festival circuit. So those three movies sort of are like grouped together. Um, you know, that, that young coming of age type thing. And it falls into that genre. For me, it was the weakest of the three, but still good. Um, probably about three and a half mm-hmm. out of five. Um, but worth a look, just, eh, just not, not quite there for me, but, but good. Oh. And the last movie I saw, <clears throat> which I caught last night, was it last night? The night before? I don't remember. Whatever. I finally got around to catching Joss Whedon's Much Ado About Nothing. Oh, you nothing. have seen it. I Ooh. did see it. And what it did, and let me, let me, let me preface this by saying... It was done extremely well. It was very well acted. Um, and seeing Whedon just sort of in a play, in his own house, they filmed it in his own place, mm-hmm. 
and playing with all of his favorite toys. And when I say his favorite toys, I mean the actors that he's very familiar and with. And has used in Oh, just, you know, Fran Kranz, yeah. Amy Acker, Nathan Fillion, um... I, I, if you're going to review this, Gregg, though, are you a fan of Shakespeare? Which gets to my next point. Like I said, this was very well done. It is a very well executed movie. What I learned from it is that I hate yeah, Shakespeare. I can't stand I, Shakespeare. I've never liked Shakespeare. I wanted to see this specifically because I want to see everything yeah, Joss Whedon does. And there is nothing for me to take away from this and say that Joss Whedon did anything bad or wrong or stuff. I just don't yeah. give a flying fuck That's my fear. about Shakespeare. Because it's spoken in the old Shakespeare English. Yeah. And I find myself a lot of this, you know, I'm watching this and I'm listening because it's a very dialogue driven thing. There's, there's no action here. It's just, it's just the interactions mm -hmm. of all these people and they're speaking in the old English Shakespearean tongue and half the time I'm sitting there like, what the fuck does that even mean? Yeah. I don't even understand what you just said. And for that point, it the movie just started to drag for me because I just, I just don't give a fuck about Shakespeare. That, that's my fear with seeing because I'm the exact same um, with Shakespeare. You know, it was shot in black and white, which was interesting. Amy Acker is fucking gorgeous, dude. Amy Acker is freaking hot. Mm -hmm. um, love her. Um, it, it, like I said, everything here, everything was very well acted out. It was a very, it was a very good thing. If you're a fan of Shakespeare, this is a top-notch watch. Without a doubt, you are going to love it. If you're not a fan of Shakespeare, you can appreciate what they did, but you're probably not going to enjoy the experience. And for me, that's what it was. So don't... Don't look at... Look at this as if, if you're... Whether or not you're a fan of Shakespeare. Right. I hate Shakespeare. I just got oh, nothing for it. Headache, so it wasn't that enjoyable of a watch for me. If you like Shakespeare... Whedon knocks it out of the fucking park. Nice. So, I, and, and, and to that end, I can't even give it a grade. It's because it's not fair to give it a grade. Right. You know, the experience, I give a two out of five because I just didn't care. If I'm a Shakespeare fan, it's probably closer to a four to five out of five <laughs> because it was well executed. Well done. And considering the fact that it basically was an aside while he was in the middle of filming The Avengers. And he had, 12 days just in his apartment with all of his buddies filming this movie. And the thing is, people like us, though, that don't like Shakespeare, we're quick to point out that just because we don't like it, I get why people like it. Uh, yeah, I absolutely. totally understand that the way Shakespeare wrote things was just amazing. Mm. I just don't understand what the fasus and all that shit even means. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I find myself mentally checking out. Yeah. I struggle, and you and I have joked about it, when there's a British accent. So if you're going to make me watch a Shakespearean scripted film, I'm fucked. Yeah. It, I, I yeah. will just be gone. The only one I can ever say I actually liked was Macbeth. The uh, I'm sorry, Hamlet. The uh, Mel Gibson Hamlet, that was actually our first uh, view of uh, Tim Burton's life. Uh, uh, Helen of Adam Carter? Yeah, uh, as Ophelia. Mm. It, I, I, I love that, but because that was very set-driven, I could understand what was going on. It's the only way I understood it. I've never read much ado about nothing. 
never had to in high school, I don't think I would get it. No, I mean, I got it. I was able to follow the story. I understood what was happening. But half the time, I didn't understand what they were saying to each other. Um, uh, If you don't like Shakespeare, don't bother. Here's the question. How many people that claim to like Shakespeare really don't have a fucking clue what they're saying? I Uh, would be curious You certainly have your, your, your certain people that are just so snobbish they think they know what they're talking about. Because you're right. You can only tell by the actions generally what's going on. Right. But... Do they really understand what's being said? And I have all the respect in the world for the people who are able to act in this oh, movie. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Because that can't be easy to pull off. Let alone the, the, the number of days. You, like you said, this is just a pause during the shooting. Twelve days, I believe, yep. they, they, they filmed this. And it was well done. It really was. But, yeah, if you're not a Shakespeare fan, it just isn't. It just You're not going to get anything out of it. And that's what it was. It was, it was a chore to get through the... Hundred uh, well, the hour and forty minutes All right. of this movie. Good to know. So that's that. Uh, well, we're going to talk TV now because TV? it's going to segue into our next thing. And basically, all we're going to talk about with TV is we want to talk about the finale of Dexter and then what we hope the finale of Breaking Bad will look like. But I'm just going to add a third one. Okay. Because there was a, a time when we the documentary about Eric Clapton's stint with the yes. Eagles. Yes. There was a time in our former podcasting that we we stopped podcasting. There was a show we were following, Spartacus, that we never got to discuss on how to do a finale right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that that we can bounce up against Dexter and why we expect certain things of Breaking Bad. Okay. Because you and I have the same opinion of what we saw in Dexter. Yeah, pretty much. But Dexter had painted itself into a corner where there really wasn't a whole lot Dexter could right. do in the final episode. No. it Dexter, for three or four years, kind of felt like it was on life support. And it, ever, but, since, it, ever since the season four... With the Trinity Killer. With the Trinity Killer. And the first four seasons of this, for me, were some of the best four seasons yeah. ever. And I know there's some critics out there of, like, season three with Jimmy Smith and stuff. I loved season three. I thought Jimmy Smith mm-hmm. was great. Uh, but season four is, is, for me, leaps and bounds the best season of the four. But all season four, four seasons... Season four lives up there among the best seasons of absolutely. any show, period. In my opinion, absolutely. Um, but all four of those seasons I love. And then all of a sudden, after that, it, I don't know. It, something happened. It just sort of lost its mojo. It's almost like, shit, we just don't have any fresh ideas left Mm -hmm. after that fourth season. Um, Which sucks, because you've already spent seven and a half years with these characters. You've already built up that much history with them. And it had its moments. It did. And they could have, with the way the season began... There are plenty of ways that they could have pulled off a decent finale. And what's unfortunate is once you saw the finale, then you're taking it and you're looking back at everything that happened in the season leading up to it, and you're just calling bullshit on all of it. Right. Because the finale sucked. It was terrible. I, I'm it saying was it. So it was so totally sucked. unfulfilling. It was, oh, God. It, was, it just seemed, it seemed like they just took cheap, easy way out of everything. Mm-hmm. The, the, 
And spoiler warning, we're going to spoil it. My issue has always been the when a TV show hits at a character time. I hate it. The old Atticate is what they called it from the 70s mm-hmm. and 80s TV. Season 3 of Dexter added four characters. The fourth one, the one that everything fell on, not until four episodes left. Yet, we hung our hat on Saxon. the entire season. Saxon. The brain surgeon. For the very four, last four episodes. But during the course of the season, we got Matsuka's daughter... Totally unnecessary character. Which turns out, yeah, turns out to be totally unnecessary. The only thing we learned is I need to go to a topless sports bar. Absolutely, that that looks like a fun place to go. If they really make those, oh fuck yeah, dude. Um, The black chick and I'm losing her name who's competing with Quinn. Yep, for her for For the the sergeant for the sergeant. Which had nothing to do with the. Was another yeah exactly, which is another side story that was just thrown in there. Um. What was the name of the doctor? Vogel. 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 Who had a purpose. Which early on was playing out awesomely. Yeah, she's the one who constructed Dexter. Yeah. Taught, got with Harry and they taught him the code. That's a great angle. And I love the angle at one point during the season when Dexter had to decide if he was going to teach the code to somebody else. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. And when they killed that character, I said, oh, this is not good. And that's where it all went out. I think when they killed Zach, I think was his name. When they killed it, and I hated the kid. I think he was annoying. But it would have been interesting, though, to have brought him with Dexter. He could have, like, carried the mantle. It could have gone full circle. Yep. Um, and, and then, then all of a sudden, this brain surgeon that they've been looking at all year kills the kid, and all of a sudden now it's about oh we got they find out Saxo we got to find Saxo we got to find Saxo. You've got like five episodes left in your series. Mm-hmm. Why are we chasing some some lame ass fabricated villain? Who I'm sorry was a lame ass. He wasn't even villain. close to a top three villain oh, from this series. Dude, he sucked. It was horrible. Um. And that's what they made it about. And then you throw back and you bring back in the the Hannah McKay character, which I like the Hannah McKay character, but it became it never this season was never about Dexter. That was the thing. Your show is called Dexter. It was about Deb or It was Hannah. about Deb trying to come to grips with all her shit. It was about Vogel and her shit. It was about this fucking brain surgeon dude and Hannah McKay trying to get away. This There was nothing about this season that was ever about fucking Dexter. No. Your show is called Dexter. It's your final season and nothing about it is about Dexter. Right. No. It was... Uh... And it was such a fucking combo. And we, we had talked to about, about the leap of faith moments in shows. Which one? Yeah. <laughs> Which and over the course of Dexter there's always been some degree of that. But they've always been better about it early on. In the last few years, there there's like these flying, situations dude. that they put Dexter in that are absolutely impossible yeah. for him to get out of. I go, but he gets out of the the simple ones that I even struggle with were always the needing access to a given computer. In like uh, the well, yeah. not not the uh, the body uh, the evidence yeah the evidence closet yeah. he needs to get in there. It just so happens that the woman from Miami Dade County yeah 
needs a smoke break, so she's leaving. <laughs> and there's yeah. nobody else is going to be at the computer, so Dexter can sneak in, yeah. punch in the computer, find out what he wants. And bullshit. Yeah. And even yeah. in the final episode, it just so happens the hospital is right next to the water with the hurricane coming in yeah. and has what, a boat what, dock. What the fuck, dude? So the slice of life can pull right up. <laughs> pull right up to the old dock. No one's thinking because the hurricane's coming. And I even hated the fact that the hurricane wasn't even referenced in like the two well, episodes out. It's like, oh, this hurricane's... Well, here's the thing. Sharknado, dude. Well, horrible. that's just it. They're, they're, they're trying to tell you... They're basically telling you that this hurricane is like right there. <laughs> But it is literally no a couple, yeah, all of a sudden it's literally there. a couple <laughs> miles offshore. Believe me, I lived in Florida for eighteen years. This hospital would have been evacuated three days before that yep. fucking hurricane got that close. The hospital okay. next to the dock, next to the boat dock, where the slice of life can just pull right up. <laughs> yeah. So he goes in there, and, and in the, the the episode before the finale, Deb gets shot by the brain surgeon. Yeah, she, uh, she's going to be okay, everything that stuff. Then all of a sudden, oh, Dexter gets a call. Oh, your sister's gone. Oh, your sister's dying because we, uh, we got to kill somebody that's emotionally attached to you. So we got to kill Deb. Hey, come on, dude. What a fucking cop out. The thing is, I never liked Deb. I hated Deb. But that wasn't the way I wanted to see Deb go. No. It was so cheap. It was cheap. And the fact that then Dexter never got to kill Saxon. Because well, that's luckily, freaking on hell, Batista, the greatest character other than Matsuka uh, on the show, absolutely. was hiding behind a shrubbery or something <laughs> in the lobby. <water. laughs> freeze, freeze, asshole! <laughs> and it's like, oh come on, that's how this is gonna end? Oh, really? Dude, it was that so, was so. Funny. And, and then you get the uh, the Dexter sneaks uh, Deb's body out of the hospital because everybody's sneaks in front of everybody. Yeah, He's just preoccupied with out. with, uh, with the uh, the hurricane. Yeah, down to the boat dock where the slice of life is waiting. Um, and he drives out to the ocean, drops Deb in where, into the ocean where he's dropped all of his other uh, victims, and then sails off into the heart of the hurricane. Yep. Which is the ultimate slap in the face, because, you, you know what, it, it would have sucked, but it would have sucked less if they had just rolled credits right there. Right. Dexter's you, going off of the hurricane, and he's... And, and the whole reason is fill because, in the blanks. Well, yeah, right. His whole reasoning behind it is because everybody that's attached to him and stuff, and everybody he's around, everybody he loves gets hurt. And Harrison and Hannah made it down to fucking. Yeah, why Argentina. do you think Harrison's in a better spot going with Hannah going than with the, the other murderer? With the other murderer <laughs> down to fucking well, Argentina, he can't be with me because I'm a murderer. I guess well, just last be- I knew. Hannah done her share, too. I guess just being in fucking Argentina is fucking dangerous, but being down there with being mothered by a murderer is probably even double. But anyway, they made it down to Argentina. He drives off uh, the boat off into the, the heart of the hurricane. Then all of a sudden you see wreckage from his boat. Inconveniently, so, well, it's the, the name of the boat. So, so. Yeah, of course, the, 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 the side paneling with slice of life on it. So clearly the boat Went somewhere, got damaged, but Dexter survived it because yeah. he's working as a lumberjack right. somewhere in the Great Northwest. He, he somehow has learned to drive a semi and, and is able to do heavy equipment hauling for a lumberyard. <laughs> and that's and then and then it just goes dark and there you go, dude. Uh, it pains me to no end, but that was just that was horrible. And the reason I bought Spartacus is we weren't podcasting at that point. 
But if you followed Spartacus at all, you could argue that that show did it absolutely right in how to do a finale. Well, they threw everything at you. Every character had a fitting end. Yeah. And they tied up everything. But you also look at a series like Spartacus and like Breaking Bad, which we'll talk about in a minute, and everything they did leading up to it in that final series led to the fact that they could do that stuff again. Right. It made Dexter sense. was teetering on and off the rails right. the whole time. They they painted themselves into a corner where there was nothing they could do other than give us a shitty finale. In Spartacus and Breaking Bad, they stayed the course. Yep. They knew what they wanted to do. Yep. They knew what they wanted to achieve. And maybe this and is maybe this is um, an endorsement for ending your series at a certain point. It could be because Spartacus only went three se- three seasons. Breaking Bad only went five. Dexter went eight. And clearly, and after season, scream, Spartacus technically went four, but you're right. It went yeah, three because the prequel season doesn't right. count. doesn't count. And you look at Dexter at season four is when it fell off the rails. Yep. And now I'm not saying season four would have been an appropriate ending because it wasn't. But oh, for a series, it was a, it was a cliffhanger. It was a shocking ending, but it, it wasn't a series ender. But maybe at that point you should have said, all right, let's do one more Balls to the wall, top notch season, and cut this thing, yep. cut this thing down. The um, old jump, uh, joking of jumping the shark. When yeah. did the series get so long in the tooth they weren't trying yeah. anymore? Yeah, and that's what it is. And and it was such a fucking disappointment. And you know what? It's really, it was a huge disappointment. But I didn't expect much more than a disappointment, right? Because stuff leading up to it really sort of led you to believe that. There's nothing they can do in one episode now to save this train wreck. I would, I, I, I know I've already said it. I would have loved to have seen that Matsuka was another serial killer. Then you could have done something with the Atticid. Yeah. Then you could have done something with the fact that for eight years, yeah. we have seen this guy. We've loved this little pervy little oriental dude. I know. That's not the appropriate term. Asian. But tough shit. Asian dude. We've loved this guy, and if he'd been killing people under Dexter's nose the whole time, that would have been a great, great ending. Interesting, absolutely. And no, we don't get that. They added a character four episodes out, and I know people will say, "Well, they didn't technically," because early on there were recordings from behind other people making the killings that they were clearly being forced. Right. Right, but they still didn't show Saxon at that Well, point. I think they missed the boat completely on, on allowing Dexter to make one final kill. And then I know there's there's symbolism behind the fact that that his final kill was technically Deb. Because he was in the hospital room, and she's a vegetable on life support, and he pulls the life support from her. So Technically, pulling life support Dexter from somebody who's being kept alive Dex. solely by life right. support, though, but, but you is know, a blessing. But right? you know <laughs> that that the writers thought that there was some symbolism yeah, behind yeah, that bullshit. Um, but to not have him allow allow that one last classic dark passenger Dexter kill. You and I discussed it. What was the last dark passenger kill? I can't remember. Was it the Apocalypse? Hanks? Yeah, was it him? I don't remember, dude. Uh, like I said, it, for he me, was the, going to off the kid this season, then stop. Yeah, 
Hannah McKay, he stopped. The, Colin Hanks is literally the last one I come up with. Yeah, and, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that I think I think at that point we saw the writing on the wall and we made apologies for the show because of how good it was uh, in the first four seasons, but we got to the point where like, all right, we're watching this now because we just have to watch now. Right. And and really, this is this is a tale of two halves. It's the, the NFL cliche. The first half is brilliant. The second half is pretty much a mess. Yeah. And that's unfortunate. Yeah. It completely. What's unfortunate. not a mess is fucking Breaking Bad, which Holy ends God, as you as we're recording this. It ends tomorrow night. And you know, I was not an advocate of splitting this eight episodes. It's and eight played episodes. out well, though. It has played out, and I'm not sure I'm still on board with that process. I mean, I get why they do it, but and you've seen they've done it. With they're going to do it with Mad Men too. Right? Uh, and I've only seen the first season yeah, of I Mad Men, which I like, but it's we're not talking about anything that's as as intense as Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad, for my money, is the best show. It's my Perhaps. favorite drama I've ever watched. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I've watched plenty. It, it is the the most engrossing drama. It's the one I... I well, I, it's, it's just crafted so well. It's brilliant. There's, there's, it, you'd be hard-pressed to find any holes in the whole five-season process. I'll put this out there. With the ratings this final episode is going to get... This is the first time I can honestly say the NFL will be hurt by the ratings the fight that the finale of Breaking Bad is going to get. Because it's going to air Sunday night at 9 o'clock, yeah. and the, there will be a game on, and what sucks for me is Pats at Atlanta. And you know what I'll be watching? Breaking, Breaking fucking bad. <laughs> There's no way I'm missing that episode. Yeah, and and they're doing a live hour long talking bad right yeah. after. Uh, it, I, this this here, I mean, this rates right up there with the mash finale. That this yep. is, it, it, I mean, you're gonna is. pull that kind of numbers just because, but but it, nothing it, ever will though. Other well, than the it, Super Bowl, like, right? It's not because a of 300 channels now right. and right. Um, but, but I mean, the hype around it is that level. And certainly if you've been watching it, but you haven't caught up, avoid the interwebs for a good three or four days afterwards. Yeah. If not a week, because that's all people are going to talk about is what they saw. Right. Um, and basically everything that's led up to this, um, to this has been done to perfection. Right. Um, which leads you to believe that the finale is going to knock it out of the park. There's no reason to think this finale isn't going to be epic on every every level. I mean, you look at what we've got. So, Skyler doesn't want Walt around. Walt's gone into hiding. Well, today. Today. Walt's gone into hiding in northern New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Um, Walt Jr. finally lit into Walt in one of the my favorite scenes ever for Walt Jr. Oh, for a character really? I've never liked. Right. But... Nothing against it. It's just, I again, the whole entitlement thing here has always driven me nuts. Yeah. Marie hasn't been dealt with completely yet after yeah. feeling that the news had to be broken to Walt. We know Walter knows that he can't just bail out of the country because Saul's right. As Saul stated, he leaves. His family is on the hook for all of it. Right. So basically, he's got six months left to live. He's better off turning himself in, 
for those six months and dying in prison, or his family will spend a lifetime. But his ego won't allow that. No way in hell. But last thing we saw is he makes the call to the police to turn himself in, and then the news story comes up and goes full circle and brings up the couple that had fucked him. That 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 basically there there the three of them in the was it first season I want to say is last we really we've seen the wife I, I don't think we've seen the husband again there were the three of them he did all the research they won freaking uh, the Nobel Prize for the work they've become billionaires and they took all the credit and bailed out they just left him cold right he sees the news story about them donating a boatload of money. The newscaster is quick to point out, is this some way of separating yourself from Walter White? And they say, oh, it's got nothing to do with Walter. Cut to, shot of the cops closing in on the bar that he made the call from, and Walter's not there. Now, we have visions of the first episode of this season, quote-unquote, this half-season, where he's gone to his abandoned house to get the ricin. Now what does that mean? Is the ricin for the couple? Is the ricin for him to just to take himself out after he meets out justice on the couple? Right. There's so, there's so many, many ways. There's a go. lot of questions to be answered in the last hour and how. But you know what? Is. Everybody believes all of them will be answered. Absolutely. We'll get something for all. Of I these do things. not expect to be disappointed by this finale. At all. Oh hell no! they never. There's not a throwaway episode. Again, you and I were talking about the fact that Ken Newcomb, who we got onto this show. References the fly episode is the one he does it, but the fact that you can pull that out of your ass, and yet I can tell you why the fly episode exists. That was the one anomaly Walter couldn't control, right. and that drove him batshit. Yep. It's the one variable, the extraneous thing he could not manage was a fly in his lab, and that was how meticulous he was about it. Okay. There's not a throwaway episode, not a throwaway scene. No, this finale could be the. One of the best we've ever seen. If Let's not hope so, because the expectations are high. That's the problem. Are people setting their expectations too high? I'd argue with Breaking Bad, they're not. Let's hope. So we're going to take that concept of the Walter White and the Dexter concept. We're going to do a top five. Uh, it's basically our top five favorite anti-heroes. And we're going to break here because we're out of beer again. Yeah, we've and, been yeah, without we've been beer for a bit. And so. we'll come back with our top five anti-heroes. So we want to talk about, uh, we have the top five here about our top favorite anti-heroes. 
and a few parameters around that. We intentionally did not want to include Dexter or Walter White from Breaking Bad. That'd be way too easy. Um, because we just talked about them ad nauseum. Um, yeah, we just we just wanted to exclude them because clearly they would they would be on that list if we were to include, but too easy. Let's let's think a little harder about it. And then I want to like sort of define what is the antihero, and in layman's terms, it's basically those who exhibit traits not that of the hero. Um, and there's some gray area there. You know, it's basically just people who can who may do things as simple as just lie, steal, and cheat to get ahead. Um, but but I wanted to make them at least like the principal protagonist of their movies mm-hmm. um, or TV shows or anything because we want to include you can pull these from anywhere movies, TVs, books, comics, music whatever you want to do, video games wherever you wanted to go with this um, but they were basically people who do you like I, mine at least are, are those people are those characters that I actually like in spite of their tendencies to do things that are less than which are exactly noble. the way I judge this. Okay, the less than noble people who we actually root for, despite the fact that they may do less than noble things to get where they are, and maybe they had good intentions for doing the things they did, maybe they didn't and stuff. I, I didn't want to pull like somebody that you completely that's a complete douchebag. That comes out on top at the end. If you didn't actually like that character, you right. didn't root for that character. So I sort of tried to admit to omit those types of things. No, nope. I, I totally agree. So that said, I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you kick it off here with your number five. Your, right. top, your number five favorite anti-hero. My number five is one of those directors that has done some impressive stuff, but the guy's a total douchebag. The director's I'm, a douchebag? The director's a douchebag. I'm going to throw out Mickey and Mallory Knox from Natural Born Killers from All Over Stone. There's no reason to like these this duo. They're fucking killing assholes. They're murderous douchebags. But I don't know how many times I've seen that movie. I am so wrapped in everything they do. And I somehow justify everything they do... I'm as bad as the people they keep cutting to that are their followers rooting for them. There's no reason to like Mickey and Mallory Knox, yet to me they are easily top five anti-heroes. There's nothing, no reason to root for them, but I fucking love Mickey and Mallory Knox. Um, ab- absolutely a, uh, a solid pick. Um, I didn't select them strictly on the, fa- on the face of, I, I didn't. They're not people I would root for. So I can see your intrigue with those characters. I was intrigued with those characters. Nothing I could do said that I like these people and I hope they succeed in what they're doing. So that's why they wouldn't have been on my list. But absolutely uh, textbook anti-heroes. My number five is a liar, a thief, a cheat... But all with ultimately the ultimate selfish person, but all, but always with good intention. 
My number five is Malcolm Reynolds, captain of Firefly. Yep. Um, of, of the Serenity and Firefly. Um, just just a guy that there's no reason to really like this guy for what he does, but he has such a charm and personality about him that you can't help but just like the guy. And you know that underneath all of his lying and cheating and stealing, there is there is something under there that... He's that the he one would get beneath the veneer. He would take the bullet for his yep. crew. In the ultimately, yep. Um, so he's my number five. Number four for me. I, I don't. I, this would be interesting. Was I don't think we're going to cross streams here. Probably not. Is actually a movie I've lent to you like a year and a half ago, and you still haven't watched well, Leon I, I the Professional. Watched. I because I, I knew exactly when you said that because I somebody I thought about too. Yeah, I've watched it. Leon from the Professional. I there's no again. There's no reason to root for him. He's a paid assassin. All he cares about is that you pay the money. There's almost no woman, no kid. He's fine. Yet, seen through his eyes, it makes him to be the perfect anti-hero. You, you really shouldn't root for him, but throughout this movie, you do. Let's be honest. The relationship he builds with Natalie Portman in this movie is borderline pervy. Mm. Yet... You still like Gene's, uh, the, like Leon as a character. Gene Reno hit it out of the park in his first real appearance in American film. I love Leon as a great Andy here. Oh, yeah, Leon's a great, great example of that. Um, my number four is somebody who is <clears throat> about as cynical a bastard as we are. Um, and his only real fault is that he is just so much a realist and he has no filter. So he's rude, he's crass. And like I said, there's a lot of gray area in what you consider an anti-hero here. It's just somebody who exhibits qualities that aren't necessarily heroic. This is more of a character from a flick that's just kind of like, fuck you, this is how I think, and if you don't like it, go fuck yourself. So my number four... Is Randall Graves from Clerks? Yep. Um, who's basically just a guy who's like content to exist in his minimum wage job life, uh, hanging out with specific friends and people other than fruit fly. Oh, fruit fly! I haven't seen any of those this year. I hate them. Um, you know, just doesn't spend a lot of time worrying about what other people think about him and that stuff. But isn't afraid to tell you that he thinks you're a fucking loser or a sure. douchebag. He's stuff like totally that. based off his id. Whatever yeah. his id tells him to do, <laughs> that's what he's doing. Absolutely. He didn't escape four years old. And, you know, Clerks 1, Clerks 2, can't wait for Clerks 3. Uh, I love watching Randall just go off as Randall. Yep. So he's my number four. All right. My number three is uh, Travis Bickle from the ta from Taxi Driver. Thought long and hard about that one myself. An honorable mention because again, uh, there's no reason to root for this guy, huh. but he stands for all the right things in the end. Yep. He stands for bringing down everything that is disgusting about our society. He may use extreme means, and that's why he's an anti-hero. That being said, I think I have a good sense of who your number one is now. Yeah, my number one is going to be pretty obvious. Even though some people may For argue you. it's not an anti-hero. But I, I, 
would totally disagree. Uh, I um, didn't know where you're going to go with that. But yeah, Travis Bickle, go back and rewatch Taxi Driver. It, yeah, it's a brilliant Driver. piece of work. Everything's Scorsese. What's what has Scorsese done that isn't a brilliant piece? Of great, work? great, and and we're lamenting the fact that Wolf of Wall Street's been pushed out. <sighs> but yeah, uh, Travis Bickle, my number three, clearly for Antihero. Uh, I have no issues with that whatsoever. My number three is a murderous fucking bitch who you could argue is more on a revenge mission than she is just a murderous mission. Uh, um, mission. Uh, my number three is Beatrix Kiddo from Tarantino's yep. Kill Bill Great series. choice. Um, you know, somebody who was part of this uh, assassin group who was left for left for dead, uh, sort of backstabbed by the, the people who she was a part of, and then they they unfortunately left her with the heart still beating, and she goes on a freaking spree to end all sprees. So she's basically a killer, but you're rooting for her the whole way to, to, to enact her revenge on everybody. Yeah, and take down anybody that gets in her way. Absolutely. Yep. Beatrix Kiddo, Beatrix Kiddo is my number three. And good for knowing it, because too many people still call her the bride. Oh. And they're well, right. I do not know her as Beatrix In the Kiddo. first half, she's the bride. Every right. time they say Beatrix, they bleep it out. But in the second half, they reference it twice, I think. And it's a fail on my part that that's the one Tarantino flick I do not own is the Kill Bill series. I think really, the, I think it's the only Tarantino that I don't own is Kill Bills. No, I, I, which I need to remedy. Kill Bills, one of those movies. There aren't many that when we bought it, the, the first one in DVD, the, the first Kill Bill Part One is better than Part Two, which is funny to say when mm-hmm. you actually see the fact that if you ever put them in the order they actually supposed to play out, they're nothing like. One and two, but we rewatched Kill Bill one three nights in a row. It was so fucking oh, I good. It. I love it. The whole scene with Crazy Eighty Eights is one That's of the greatest, the greatest scenes, scenes ever. ever. Right down to the music when the Eighty Eights yep. are walking, and it's brilliant. By far, one of the most brilliant pieces of work. I'm pretty sure that's the only Tarantino movie I don't own. Yeah. Well, and Tarantino for me, Tarantino is another one of those directors who's never done a bad. Yeah, his, his bad films are better yeah, than most people's. Great I know films. there's critics of uh, of his Death Proof thing. I think Death Proof I love is Death the Proof. better half of that movie. Yep, I, I I don't disagree with you. Love Death Proof. I, the only one of his movies that really doesn't stick with me is Jackie Brown. And I like Jackie Brown. It, it, only because I'd never really gotten to the black exploitation films. They, and you know me, it's got it's not a race, I just don't care. Right. And so it didn't really a lot of the things that would have been hits for most were misses for me. Right. Uh, my number two, the only crossover to TV I'm gonna have, Tony Soprano. Tony Soprano, there's we're talking a mob boss here. We're talking a cheating, people killing mob boss. Yet for how many seasons did we follow through his eyes? And love the guy. And I've never seen The Sopranos. The Sopranos is a brilliant, brilliant oh, show. I'm, I'm I haven't sure. seen all of them. I've and only I seen love, the first few seasons. I love mob dramas. Godfather is one of my favorite series ever. Mm-hmm. Love it. Goodfellas. Yep. Love it. It's to, to me, this was the beginning of the era for HBO. Yeah. It, 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 well, for pay TV, period. Sure. The Sopranos. You can certainly point to other shows. I love Dream On in the early 90s and Tales of the Crypt. 
they all pale to what Sopranos gave us. And Tony Soprano is the true definition of what an anti-hero is. At any given moment, you should hope somebody puts a bullet in his head. Mm -hmm. But you never did. You wanted him to survive and come out on top. Right. So for me, number two is Soprano. And I, an honorable mention for me, sort of in those in that vein, somebody who that you should have been rooting to die the whole time. But I, I was a character guy. I was Michael Corleone with the, with oh, the Godfather series. I, he almost made this list. Um, uh, yeah, without, without a doubt. But he didn't. He's on our bunch of me. And oddly enough, my number two is also the only TV reference that I have. Right, you had Firefly. Oh, you, 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 <laughs> granted. I was thinking Serenity, so it's a movie. Oh, fair but, but yeah, no, granted. Um, and, and Eric Clapton as well. I mean, yeah. his his role in uh, he was the, the anti hero in, yeah. in Festival of Whorehouse of yeah. Texas. Yes, I mean, um, Hooker number three was the, the downfall yes, of everything. That bitch. Um, but no, number two for me is uh, is a TV reference, uh, strictly a TV reference. Um, basically, killer, liar. Uh, but one of those characters that just, in and amongst a bevy of awesome characters, still managed to stand out, Spike from Buffy and yep. Angel, is for me one of the greatest anti-heroes ever. This, you're talking about a guy who, who, who actually sort of, a character, and I know you've never seen the Angel series, and, and that's sort of, of tied into this whole thing. A character who, who went from basically William the Bloody, nice reference there. Not many people remember him as William the Bloody. I don't. Really? Because they referenced that in Buffy. That, they probably did. I, I, I didn't that was go his pre Buffy vampire uh, oh. persona, was William the Bloody. Hmm. Um. And went from just cold-blooded, ruthless killer to... Watching Passions? Yeah, well, well, there was that, which was an awesome touch. Um, and basically just sort of a, a very redemptive character when when everything played out in the end between Buffy and Angel. Um, and I still encourage you to watch Angel at some point. I know you hated that specific character, but like every Joss Whedon show... It, it it's never really fully about that character because there's sure. so much fucking awesome going on around right. it. He's all about the cast of characters around somebody. Oh, dude, and Angel is such a great thing. Plus, Amy Ackers in it. God damn, she's hot. Dude. I again and, and Charisma Carpenter and all that shit. Yeah. What is Charisma Carpenter had one of the better Playboy shoots of the past decade. Dude. I never saw it. Oh. But but she's she's yeah. held on well. Anyway, Spike is my number two. Well, let's see if my number one is who you think it is. Oh, I I know who this is. I'm gonna be curious. Oh, and, and I actually don't remember the name of the character, but I know the movie. Then you're wrong. Okay. Because my number one is Rorschach from Watchmen. All right. Uh, I thought you were gonna go God Bless America on me, but. That that would have that that's an honorable mention, and that's no. interesting because I thought of Rorschach too. Rorschach to me because there's black and white, and then there's Rorschach. <laughs> Rorschach. The reason I said you could argue he's not an anti-hero because he follows black and white, and he's fucking mental. But that's the thing is he follows black and white to a fault, 
If somebody has said something at some point legally, then that is law in Rorschach's mind. And you will have to pay with your life if you mm-hmm. go against it. Yeah. The Watchmen, to me, Watchmen is one of the more underappreciated works of the past Which decade. sucks because we hate Ellen Moore so bad. Right. <laughs> but the, 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 the work, the, 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 the is, book itself is perfect. It is perfect. really well done. In the movie, they did a fucking bang up job. And I if people haven't, if you really don't get it, I don't know what to tell you. I've seen this movie I don't know how many times, and it, it plays just as well every time. And Jackie Earl Haley nailed Rorschach. Right. I always go back to the line about they think they're in here uh, that I'm in here with them, and when he's in prison. They're wrong. They're in here with me. And it's Rorschach to a T. He is judge, jury, and executioner. Absolutely. Period. Mm-hmm. And it's funny I give that reference because I rewatched Dread last night. People that haven't uh, seen Carl Dread. Urban Dread? The Carl, that, that is that a flipping. fucking great movie. I don't think it, it's, it's almost point for point. Raid uh, the Redemption. Raid Redemption. It, and I think the Raid Redemption is actually a better it flick. Is. But Dread is great, dude. Dread's issue was it was and only Olivia released. Thurlby. Yeah, they 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 fucked up by only releasing it in 3D, and I'll always argue that was their mistake. Yeah. Too many shots in that movie are so clearly cheesy 3D tricks. Yeah, a bullets flying through heads at you and stuff. Yeah, that was their mistake. But Rorschach to me is the greatest fucking antihero to ever grace the big screen. I have no issues with that pick. I I. I Bandied him about, and he definitely landed on my. When, when you threw that at me, the first vision I, I had was Rorschach. I thought uh, I really thought you were going to go. Uh, God bless America. That that's I, I hadn't thought of that, and it's funny because while we've been talking, I thought of a few others. Going wow, I, I wow. there's a lot of choices out there for for antiheroes, and mine probably uh, this is my final pick is probably one who blurs the lines a little bit of what you're going to call antihero. But we're talking. What I'm going to talk about is a guy who definitely is a liar, and a bit of a cheater, and a bit of a, a and and uh, not a list, but uh, a type A personality who needs to be the center of attention and is willing to manipulate in order to make sure he is that. And this is where we went completely out of left field. You're never going to see this coming. My number one is Ferris Bueller. It's funny. Actually, <laughs> dude, I, I when I was dubbing around last night looking at other people's lists, I saw him on a few. And they, they were no, normally late, like top 50. They had him like 48. Yeah. I have no issue with Ferris Bueller. You, There's no, if you really think about it. didn't want to be Ferris Bueller in high he school. He was skipping school so many days, he should have been expelled. Yeah. He'd lied. He'd cheated. And he'd he got away with everything. And who didn't want to be this kid in high school? And you watch, and dude, I watched, I watched Ferris Bueller probably six months ago, introduced the kid to the Ferris Bueller thing, and talk about a movie that just holds up on every level. It's perfect. It is one of my top five greatest comedies of all time. It will never fall off that list. 
Um, I love Ferris Bueller. Ferris Bueller for me is 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 the okay, epitome he's of definitely the, an anti-hero. anti-hero. I mean, it, 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 you don't have to be in a drama to be anti-hero. It's a comedy, but again, break down everything he did. What did he did that's appropriate? What did he did? What right. did he do? Right, and he lied. He stole. He completely manipulated his friends, Everything. especially Cameron. I mean, dude got a stripper gram for being sick, yeah. and he wasn't sick. Yeah, he had the most elaborate dummy in the bed setup. So his mom would open the door, and this thing would roll over and cough and talk. It was perfect. Oh yeah, first Bueller, I have no issue with it. And there were, I mean, there's so many great choices for for antiheroes out there, the, the people. But like I said, my criteria was somebody was characters I liked, mm-hmm. um, and I like all those characters. I can root for, and even though they're 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 what they're doing may not be the most noblest of pursuits, I can get behind them for what they're trying. Well, to Well, it's funny you say that because one of them I had on my list, and I bounced for Tony Soprano. Was Alex DeLarge. And a lot of people are going to say, who the fuck is that? I was just going to say, who the fuck is Alex Clockwork DeLarge? Orange, McDowell's character. Oh, that was his name? Alex DeLarge. I didn't even know that. Um, but I've only seen Clockwork Orange once. And they only reference it once or twice. But he see, he's a character that was, while intriguing, I wasn't behind what right. he was doing. Right, and that's a... I was okay with... Every, I, I can deal with society's broken down, so you have these packs of people. But the rape scene was the issue for me. Uh, there was no reason you, to root for this guy. You you jumped the shark at that point. At that point, you're no longer anti-hero. You are a villain. I now, doubt. certainly the second half of the movie is all about it being reprogrammed and, and, and. But he needed it. Now, whether or not you can agree with what the government did to him in Clockwork Orange, another story... But he needed reprogramming. Absolutely. He was all kinds of fucked up. Absolutely. And that's why he dropped off that list. Um, another one I kicked around was... Uh, what's her name? Ely? What the hell was that? From uh, uh, Let the Right One In. The Vampire Girl. Oh, yeah. yeah. What's her name? I want to say Ely. But that oh, that's say. a great e- choice. Yeah, I, I kicked around that. And in either version, Let the Right One In or Let Them In. Um, uh, both those flicks, uh, I, I thought the the, uh, the the American recreation of that was very well done too. Yeah. But the Swedish version holds up tremendously. It's I watched that again. Um, um, it's, it's amazing. It, it is amazing. It, it's just a phenomenal flick. What's funny uh, is Elizabeth Salander also crossed on my uh, uh, from the Dragon yeah. Tattoo series. All crossed on my list. And when you were talking, actually, and you started referencing a female. I thought you were going to roll one out I never thought of. Norma Bates with Bates Motel. That's you know an anti-hero, dude. You know what? I never did. That one never did cross my mind. And it, it didn't until you started talking about a female. All of a sudden, I'm like, Norma fucking Bates. I almost think think that uh, Norman Bates would have even been a more... more no question. Because he was purely a victim of his circumstances. Yeah. How about Hannibal fucking Lecter? Sure. He, he's nothing but a stone-cold killer. But people fucking mm-hmm. love the guy. and love seeing the world through his eyes. Tyler Durden from Fight Club. Uh, he, was, uh, he was trimmed off my list. I had him on there and trimmed him off. Because, yeah, the only reason I turned him off is... Technically not real. Right. I mean, totally a fabrication. And Eric Clapton and the Eagles. 
He's the ultimate anti-hero. He destroyed the Eagles, dude. He did. Before he joined that band, they were in great shape. He joined it. They rolled out shit after That's that. That's right. God damn it. Like Hotel California. Part two. It was Hotel California Electric Boogaloo. Boogaloo right. It was terrible. Right, right, right. All right, we'll come back here and we're gonna we're gonna dive into the review of the movie we saw this week um, and a little bit of uh, extra commentary around the director of said movie and a little bit around his filmography. We'll we'll, we'll surprise you with that after the break. Emergency! That was the racetrack. There's been an accident. Driver's been injured. He's coming in now. Hello. I think the racetrack telephoned ahead that I was coming. Hunt, James Hunt. I had a friendly disagreement with another driver about his wife. Wife? What did you do? I'd be happy to show you if you like. James could be a loose cannon, but in terms of raw talent, there is no better driver in the world. Why don't they make it safer? Risk of death turns people on. Who's that? It's Nicky Lauda. He's just been signed by Ferrari. They're both quicker than you. They're not setting up the car. James Hunt is a proven winner at the highest level. Is there a question why you're just trying to piss me off? This is an incredible battle between these two drivers. thing with Nikki. Everyone has. James, do you think you can cope with the pressure? To be a champion, you have to really believe it. You're just a party guy. You're killing yourself there. You're too far back. I'm quicker than all of you. I'm James Hunt's out. It's over, superstar. More powerful than even the fear of death itself is the will to win. Which is why I'm here begging. You really think you can beat him? Trust me. To be with the rain, the most dangerous trick in the world. That all depends on how good you are in the rain. Let's race. Talk to me, James. Don't go to men who are willing to kill themselves driving in circles looking for normality. Nicky Lauda, fast as a searing inferno of 800 plus degrees. Responsible for what happened. Watching your windows raise, you were equally responsible for getting me back in the car. Showdown between you and Nikki is all anyone wants to see. Alright, so we saw Rush. We did. The latest Ron Howard flick. And I think we want to ease into that discussion with a little bit of discussion around Ron Howard in general. But more specific to directing, not Well, acting. more uh, directing. I mean, we all Without, remember... Hey, there's no reason to talk about Opie or Richie Well, I was going to say, we all remember Ron Howard mostly from being Richie Cunningham in Happy Days and prior to that Opie in the Andy Griffith show. So we... If you're our age, you grew up with Ron Howard. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ron Howard is as iconic of a name. That Tuesday night lineup on ABC, dude, yeah. was a fucking home run in the late 70s, yeah. early 80s. Absolutely. With what? You had Happy Days, Laverne, Laverne Shirley, Shirley. Uh, uh, Three's Company, and Taxi. Yep. yep. 
that thing was a fucking grand slam. You Absolutely. didn't get the equal until the late 80s when you had Cosby Show, Different World. Night Court. Night Court. And Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers, Night Court. Yeah. On absolutely. NBC. That, but, yeah, Happy Days was one of my favorite shows. It was a fucking murderer's row. And for some reason, back in that day, when I was that young, prepubescent boy, I had something for... With, uh, Aaron Moran? Penny, no, Penny Marshall. Of all people... I dug me some Laverne. Yeah, why? Well, now, I, granted, Laverne has not aged well <laughs> at all. Yeah, she has kind of a lesbian, well, tough lesbian quality. Yeah, but back but then, I dug me. You some know what Laverne. it was? Because then, if even watching the show, then they wrote her like she was the haughty, over-sexualized chick, right? Which was kind of funny. Because it was Shirley who was getting it on with the big ragu. You never right. really saw Laverne do a goddamn thing. Right. But when you're 12, you saw the... When you're 12 and alone in your room. You, right. You, you, like, you, you saw you, the little L on the chest and, and you were yeah, like, yeah. And then Laverne And the other one with Boo Boo Kitty just wasn't working. No, it wasn't it. Yeah. It wasn't working. Uh, Aaron Moran, no, I never had Aaron Moran. Oh, I did. I went through an Aaron Moran phase. Really? Yeah, I did. Yeah, whatever. I did. The fuck was that? <laughs> so, you're looking like for that. a pass on Penny no. Marshall and you trust yeah. me for Aaron Moran? Yeah. I'm fuck you. <laughs> what about Pinky Tuscadero and well, Leather Pet- Tuscadero? Uh, I was more of a Pinky fan than yeah. Leather, but, but... Which one was the one who died in a car accident? Was it Pinky? No, did Leather. They, in real life? No. I didn't know heard that. I thought one of them died on the show. No, they got into an accident. And they oh, that's what it was. That was leather. And they, they pretty, yeah, it was they leather. Were like a double But she was the Joan Jet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, way yeah. they were writing her. Yeah, yeah. And, and then they pretty much rode her out of the show at that point. It was a bad yeah. car accident. And, yeah. But yeah. Pinky rolled out once or twice after that. I wish they'd put those old shows on, on Netflix. You know, I miss when Nick used to do Nick at Night, dude. Yeah. Now they still do Nick at Night, but it's like fucking Fresh Prince and everything I else. I would totally watch Happy Days from I, My days in the Central Station, we used to watch Happy Days on Nick at Night and All in the Family. Mm-hmm. You want a great show, go revisit All in the Family. Yep. Archie fucking Bunker is us, dude. Oh, fuck yeah. He, he is. is us to a team. Absolutely. What the hell are we talking about? Ron Howard. Ron Howard. <laughs> <laughs> Richie Cunningham. By now, our three fans have already jumped off saying, "Oh, we're, taking well, two we're, hours and we're ten two minutes. hours and ten minutes in." They left and we haven't started the movie review, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, Ron Howard uh, left television after Happy Days and decided that he would be best served behind the camera. And he has done a lot of shit. I don't mean that <laughs> literally. He's done some shit, literally, yeah. but he's but he has just done a ton of stuff, and, and again, it, it's a testament to just how long. And you don't think about it, but when you stop to think about it, of how long Ron Howard has just been out there. Uh, Happy Days went off the air thirty years ago. Dude. I know. That's nuts. And this dude Johnny still loves Chachi was on the air for two seasons. I don't know how old Ron ago. Howard is, but he doesn't feel like he should be more than like, yeah, what the fuck? What the hell are you doing? That's rude. <laughs> Sorry, Sean. <laughs> I'll stop doing it when you stop laughing. Um, it, it's, it's, you know, you, you, think, you think of Ron Howard as a guy who, who shouldn't be more than like 35 years old. No, but, but he's, he's probably 50. 
Oh, 50 nothing. I don't know he's how old he's. late 50s, dude. Nah. He's got to be. Nah. Yeah. How old, <laughs> how old Andy Griffith started in black and white, dude. 54. Holy shit. That motherfucker's 60 next year. <laughs> yeah. Again, but he doesn't Andy look it. No, he doesn't. He's aged okay. I, that dude doesn't look. I mean, granted, again, he, he doesn't pull I, I'll off go bald the, well. The, the bald spot with red hair is Does, not a good. Doesn't look, look well, but that as dude, a bald man, I'm telling you, looks you avoid red hair. That dude the doesn't fringe. look more than forty. To no, me. no, he, he's he's done all right. He's 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 aged very well. Anyway, he started uh, the, his first movie of significance. Um. Was really Splash, which is around here somewhere. No, Night Shift. Oh, that's right, Night Shift. Well, I mean, did Night Shift really put him on the map? No, Splash put him on the map. Right. Night Shift had some love. I remember Night Shift airing on HBO, and we all saw it repeatedly. You're like... Yeah, what the hell? I had a director. Yeah, you're back on actors. What the fuck? That, that, oh, well, that, that I fucked up. Um... Night Shift. It just click director. There you go. Oh, All I right. did that. For fuck's sake. I don't know why it, it switched back. But yeah, 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 certainly Splash is the first ma- huge success. Splash, for my money, Splash is one of my favorite roles John Candy ever played. Sure. Uh, you, you had to love John Candy in yeah. Splash. And the movie itself is great. How Put Daryl Hannah it? on the map. Oh, dude. Daryl Hannah topless twice, dude. As a teenage boy at that time, I dug that scene. Well, those scenes. Side story, because we don't do that. But I know. But side story. It was back in the days when I was uh, when I was working at Disney. Not not in '84, but I started working for Disney in like '88. Um, and my cousin Kim was a tour guide. This is getting creepy, but no, no, going. no. She was a, she was a tour guide in the Magic Kingdom. And she was assigned Daryl Hannah. Um, as what they did with tour guides is like celebrities would come in for events, stuff like that. They would assign a tour guide to them. Now, a tour guide isn't like necessarily walking around going, This is this, this is that, this is this. It's basically just a Disney representative that will will stay with you, travel with you, basically your your monkey boy for the mm-hmm. time that you're here. She was the tour guide for... She was assigned Daryl Hannah. Um, and she got to know Daryl Hannah real well. To the point where... And I was living with my cousin Kim at the time. And and Daryl Hannah... They got to they got to be actually pretty good friends over the course of the, the week or two that they were there. To the point where Daryl Hannah invited Kim down to her place in, in Miami Beach and the stuff to party and all this kind of stuff. And she never went. Because she, well, yeah, that's just it. She could have, she could have been. I could have gone with her to Daryl Hannah's celebrity Miami Beach party in the eighties. Daryl Hannah in the eighties. Yes. Yeah. Well, eighty eight, eighty nine. Oh fuck, dude. Yeah. And 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 I've never forgiven her for that bullshit. You should not. Yeah. I'm like you better write her out of her will. Out of oh, your will, dude. Dude, I trust me. All this can't be hers. No, you can't leave any of this to her. No, no, she will not have my woman lamp. <laughs> Well, another good story from Disney that pisses me off. There was a guy who was assigned Billy Joel. Every time Billy Joel came, and this was back when he was when he was uh, married to Christy Brinkley, and they had their, their young daughter and stuff like that. Billy Joel told this guy flat out after like the third or fourth, and, and, and Billy Joel would show up there for 
a week or two at a time. He said, leave Disney. I will hire you as my personal assistant. A guy wouldn't leave Disney. Is he fucking stupid? Absolutely. He'd be a millionaire working with Billy, Billy Joel. Billy Joel offered him a job. And he wouldn't take it because he liked Disney too Can much. I punch this guy right now? I don't even know where this guy is. Can we find him and punch him? Uh, I, I would. Go all Jay and Silent Bob, look him yeah. up and find him and, yeah. and punch him for something they said 10 years ago. Drove me nuts. 20 years ago. Anyway. Anyway, aside. <laughs> Ron Howard. Splash. You know, I'm bothered right now. Because Scar Joe's photos underneath the picture that says, Scar everyone Joe. loves a happy ending. Oh, Jesus, dude. That's... And I she's mean, sucking on her finger. I guarantee you by the next time we podcast, Don John will be a discussion we need to have. Oh, it has to be. We'll um, find a way to, to slip right. that in. So Splash was, was the movie that put Ron Howard on the map. But the his first big, big one's big. his next one. Um, yeah. Um, That's the widestream. Cocoon. Huge. And I've seen Cocoon, but Cocoon I saw probably the 30 years ago that it freaking aired. Yeah, I haven't I, seen it since. I've seen it a good ten times, but it was all... All I remember was Wilford Brimley in a swimming pool. <laughs> I, I remember oh, who was the one that was in... Uh, must Use Batteries, or whatever it was. You're going to look this up? You're going to look up with somebody from Cocoon? Yeah, I am. Because I remember him making a comment about having a raging boner and wanting to... Uh, <laughs> I'm in the mood for love just because I have one. Was lying in Cocoon because all of a sudden all the old guys are getting wood. <laughs> Did you like Cocoon? I, I like Cocoon. I saw it in the theater with my then girlfriend. Um, yeah. the Cocoon, I understand why people dig it. I don't know that Cocoon would hold, though. I don't, I don't know that it stands the test of time. Because I don't know... Well, that's, old, that's what's interesting about Ron Howard's picks in general. I don't know how much repeat viewing no. there is in a lot no, of No, they're stuff. very time, uh, very locked and into actually, that time. Ron Howard it, it, it's, it's, he's a product of his era for sure, but in a lot of a lot of instances Ron Howard feels very Spielberg light to me. Yep. I do not know what that is. I'm not going out there to <laughs> I, I don't know either. Um but <laughs> what the fuck are they doing out there? Whatever. Know, your wife and kid. Um, but but just but he feels very uncle. Spielberg like to me. He's got that that sort of Don Amici. He's the one. Who's oh, all right, yeah, Don Amici. But Wilford Brimley was in there too. Well, yeah, right. Because he was naked in the swimming pool. Right. With a boner. Thank you for bringing that memory into my head. Right. Um. With Eric Clapton. Yes. Um, but Cocoon for me was was a decent movie, but, you know, like I said, I, I saw it 30 years ago. I never had any inkling to see it again. No. I am surprised to find that I thought he directed Cocoon too, which he did not. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. I mean, but again, I, I haven't seen Cocoon 2 since the 80s, so at that point you're not really paying attention to who directs what. It doesn't right. mean anything to you. After Cocoon, his next big hit was probably Willow. 
Which, to me, was one of the single worst sci-fi fantasy movies ever. But the, the, the worst that you like to love, or love right. to hate. Or you something. love to hate. Yeah. It's a terrible well, it's movie. War that thing Davis. is dreadful. It was our first taste of war in Davis. Was it Spielberg or Lucas he semi-worked on that film with, I think, Lucas. I don't remember. That movie's terrible. <laughs> of course it is. But you love to hate it. Yeah, I Because there's it. midgets. I st- <laughs> right, I, and even as a as a just graduated, well, one year graduated, two years. Um, parenthood, eh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and that had already been done a million times by then. Right. And then, he, then he got into something that was a little bit more dramatic with Backdraft. Another movie that I'll own the fact that I've never seen. Really? Yeah. I, another movie that I saw when it was. I first went through made, an anti Kurt Russell phase, so. 23 years ago. Snake Plissken. That's an anti-hero, dude. Well, there you go. Absolutely. Um, But uh, another movie I saw 23 years ago when it came out. Never had any. It was all the rage when that thing came out, dude. Well, that was all about the effects. Right. How amazing the effects were. Uh, And I just never never cared to revisit it. And that's a lot of what you can say about Ron Howard's films is that while you, you may have a certain level of enjoyment or non-enjoyment of them... Once you've seen them, you've seen them. Once you've seen them, you've seen them. Um, after Backdraft, uh, Apollo 13 came out in 95. Again, decent. If it's on and I'm just flipping channels and I'm not really looking for anything in particular, I may pause on scenes of it. But but like I said, he's very almost Spielbergian in a way. But without the rewatch value. Mm-hmm. He, he's Spielberg light. He's got that tone and feel, and he builds up to this to this fabricated, climactic sequence. And then once it's over, it's just over. Yep. Um, after Apollo 13, he did Ransom. Which I was, loved Ransom. Which was but good. It, I, I don't ever care. I've, I've seen Again. it once. Again. I, I've seen it once. I've seen it. I, I love the movie. Don't right. ever... And, I, and the worst thing is, it's one of, those, one of those movies, I remember the exact setup of the night. Yeah. I remember renting it at the local Blockbuster. Mm-hmm. I remember coming home, throwing it in the DVR, uh, DVR, VHS. Yeah. It was the old VCR. Yeah. And watching it. And I loved it. Never any interest in seeing that movie again. He is like the Dean Koontz of directors. Yeah. Ron Howard is the Dean Very Koontz surface of level. Yeah. Like you enjoy it while you're watching it, but you never really want to revisit it again. There's nothing to take away, nothing to sit and think about. We're not talking Black Swan here, where you no. can overanalyze no. and. Um, then how the Grinch stole her? Now, Ed TV. I've never seen Ed TV. That was an absolute bomb. Nobody saw that. That was um, McConaughey, right? I think so. Uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Not a fan. Oh, Jim Carrey. Uh, yeah. It, in, in his heyday. Oh, that, did they character. do a good job? Fine. I didn't need backstory but on who Little Taylor though. Momsen was in it. Yeah, went on to being pretty reckless and she's right. slamming. Um, uh, but the, not the slamming then. My, for my money, it. my favorite Ron Howard flick came next. And it's the one flick that, that I could... If I was going to revisit a Ron Howard flick, it would be this one. It's a beautiful mind. Never saw it. Really? Never saw it. Russell Crowe. Never saw it. Jennifer Connelly. Never yep. saw it. Uh, really good flick. Yeah, never saw it. Really good. Um, probably one of those should be on your list to some, I'm, some point. I'm sure. 
Um, the next one I love. The Missing? Yep. I never saw The Missing. If that's the one I'm thinking it is, is that the one with uh, Tommy Lee Jones and uh, mm-hmm. what's her face? Yeah. That, and that is an excellent movie about some uh, Indians that abduct a bunch of girls. And basically, it's Kate Blanchett and Tommy Lee Jones go to find them again. Awesome, awesome movie. I've seen it a couple times. There is repeat viewing factor here. Okay. But it's very heavy for Ron Howard. All right. Uh, Cinderella Man came next, which I believe was Russell Crowe. It was a movie. Good movie. Uh, da Vinci Code, I thought he completely ripped. All over the place. I like Da Vinci Code, but I never read the book. Well, I would say that's one of my favorite books ever. Right. I never read the book, Um, so... And I was not a fan of it. He he has spent a lot of time in the Tom Hanks realm, uh, Ron Howard has. Um, and and I just didn't... A lot of a lot of what didn't work for me in Da Vinci Code was the fact that I did not see Tom Hanks in that Yeah, I've heard that, that a lot. Just, just as Robert Langdon, he was like the, the uh, ant, uh, protagonist of... Uh, of those books, and I just didn't see him in that. And then Angels and Demons as well. That was terrible. Was one of the most and, brutal. And I, I, I I've seen that once in the theater, once uh, at the drive-in, dude. Absolutely it was horrible. Horrible. Which and, and and as much as he bastardized the whole Dan Brown series there with with those two things, when I heard that he may be attached to the Stephen King uh, Dark Watch Tower Tower. series, uh, Dark Tower, yeah, uh, appalled by that. Mm. I, I don't want him yeah. anywhere if near those books. If fan of the books, I can see why someone would be afraid. Um, <clears throat> uh, Frost Nixon, I never saw it. Yeah. The Dilemma, I never saw it. You never saw and, Heidi Montag says no to plastic? No. And, and I think, to be honest with you, I think that I hated... The Dilemma, that had Jason Bateman... I, I think the fact that I hated what he did with the Da Vinci Code and Angels and Demons so much... Is probably why I didn't see Frost Nixon or the Dilemma. Yeah, I can see that. Um, which brings us to his most recent flick and what we just saw Rush. in Rush. Uh, you want to go? Sure. You want to talk about Rush? Um, so high level on Rush, it's... Uh, spoiler, as usual, spoiler. It'll be spoiler written. Yeah. If you intend to see it, hit pause now and listen to our review after. So... Rush was intriguing in that if you see the commercials, they're saying it's about James Hunt, Formula One driver. Um, I would argue this is way more about Nicky Lauda, the Austrian competition for James Hunt. It was James, right? Yeah. I'm falling into the fear that I'm saying Michael Hunt just because of Porky's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm just no, Porky's it, again. It's all about James Hunt, but told, uh, seen through the eyes of Nicky Lauda, who is his biggest competition. Again, we're talking biography here. Um, but his major competition, but it kind of deconstructing what was right and wrong with James Hunt. Um, if As a racing fan... Some of the shots in this movie, I thought, were brilliant. Uh, Ron Howard, I've never really seen as having the eye for those kind of shots. He's never done anything that was a major, huge scale. 
it's always very people oriented, very driven just by that stationary camera phone conversation. This is a whole lot of shots of what was going on in Formula One, which this is the most you and I have ever talked during a movie. I think. Mm-hmm. Other than the movie we'll discuss in our horror po- uh, podcast, only because we're the only ones in the theater, so we could talk. Right. This one, we were talking going, are they really racing and pouring fucking rain? Or are they really racing in these kind of conditions? And I think they do. I think they do actually do race. They did. In what conditions? I looked it up. I'm they not did. sure it was those conditions. Right. They, they, they may have embellished about they how rainy it was. Absolutely. But I go back to even a few years ago at NASCAR and yeah. Nationwide in Montreal where Tony Stewart called them out because they raced in rain and multiple cars wrecked. Because Montreal, they pretty much do the same thing. They shut roads down and raced through it for the Nationwide series. Um, but yeah, this is basically. Uh, Chris Hemsworth playing uh, James Hunt, mm-hmm. uh, who's, was it one-time champion, I believe? He ended up being a one-time Because he, the, the way this movie shows, he, he retired after four years after winning the championship to become yep. a commentator. Yep. And Nicky Lauda, who was uh, the Austrian who competed with him, who won multiple times, yep. before and after a horrific accident. Um, and these are kind of the guys who who... Sort of held the mantle before, like the Mario Andretti, right? And, and Andretti came into play yeah. in the 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 uh, race that the uh, Japan the race in Japan that uh, James Hunt actually won the championship because Nicky Lauda bowed out mid race because the weather conditions were so bad. At least according to this movie, he'd already had one serious wreck as a result. He wasn't going to do it again. Yeah. Um, I thought the film was beautiful. It, 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 I find the ad campaign interesting in as much as if you see the ad campaign, you truly believe it's a James Hunt film. I would argue it's not a James Hunt film. It's a Nicky Lauda film. I, I can, I, I'm on board with that. And if you're watching it, it doesn't have that much good to say for, about James Hunt, except for a few scenes. I'm not sure it has anything good to say about either of them. No, Nicky Lauda's in cast. He's cast basically as an emotionalist bastard. Uh, he's who, who's just so. He is what you fear of the engineering mind. Right. He he. Uh, everything is numbers and science. Everything about him is just that he is just obsessed with every little detail. Um, it, it, it isn't about. It is about winning championships, but it's about being the best out there. Yeah. Whereas um, uh, James Hunt uh, Hemsworth's character is more of the the party playboy guy. Yeah, guys and, like fast cars talking, and fast women. Right, and he just have happened to have a natural talent for driving these cars. Mm-hmm. And and if this movie's accurate, it, it portrays James Hunt in a way that he he. To a certain extent, you could argue he's an anti-hero because he's he's such a douchebag at times, and at times you really get pissed off with him. Mm-hmm. And to me, a great scene was the one in the airplane hangar right at the end, where Nicky Lauda is checking out his plane that he's just learning to pilot, and James Hunt happens to catch him there and makes a comment, "Well, so enjoy your off season," or something worded differently, but same idea. And Nikki says, "Well, aren't you practicing?" Well, no, I, I, I'm the champion. I'm celebrating. Yeah, I'm celebrating. I, I've got. Well, 
Right, but you need to practice. And in Nikki's mind, James Hunt practicing makes Nikki that much better. I struggled because the first scene was one of Nikki watching James in a race right after a rainstorm. And Nikki, who was wearing the full helmet, so you couldn't see the, 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 the burn uh, signs. Uh, spoiler, in real life, Nikki Lauda suffers a horrific accident where he's burned throughout his head and face. And has skin grafted from his thighs to, to repair the damage. He didn't have a nose going out of his head. He did not. But, true story, he did suffer some major, major burns. Um, and he's asking how James had his uh, tires set up. Were they the slicks? Were they the wet weather? And what I found interesting is that was six years later. And I struggled to find where that fell in the story then. Because we we went six years back, yeah. Yet, if James won the championship that year and retired four years later, I'm missing two years. Unless I, I'm jumping, what were the years he was in Formula Three against Nicky Lauda? Did we jump two years from there? Because if the movie starts with James and Nikki as a, a Formula Three drivers, right, and and, and it's it's James picking up uh, what's her putts from Game of Thrones, who we both are like, we know this chick. Where Marjorie, do we know this chick, yeah. Marjorie? And great scene in the shower. She's and and if you do want to see Chris Hemsworth naked, well, you get a couple butt, butt shots. shots. Yeah, but it's a decent butt if you like that kind of thing. Um, I wish I had his butt. You could if I'd you spent all the chicks. You, you, you could, you could, but strangely, I have chicks a that, would love me with that beer in front of you. I bet that's not going to happen. Not anytime soon. Um, but uh, I love the shots of the Formula Three to show how lackadaisical it was. Yeah, he's sitting drinking champagne, smoking a blunt before a race. Right. Um, but I, I'm struggling with the time here. So how long was he in Formula 3 in that movie? Did we jump two years and I'm not realizing it? Well, yeah. I mean, it was probably a couple of years. Um, you know, uh, Lauda sort of bought his way onto the Formula 1 circuit. With Ferrari. Well, yeah, it Which, wasn't Ferrari from the get-go. He bought his way onto one of them. Adjusted their car to the point that Ferrari bought him and the co-driver that correct. was on his team that correct. basically been bounced down. Right, that Super Mario looking dude. Yeah, Clay, not yeah, Clay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Raganusi, Raganusi. Whatever, the yeah. big Ragu. Whatever. Yeah, um, yeah what sort of uh, expedited uh, hunt wanting to get on there because it, it basically this was just a, a keeping up with the Joneses type right. situation here um, where, where, where Lauda was, was gaining traction with the, his money and his, and his, his knowledge and Hunt was like, "Well, fuck that! This this fucking Austrian dude's coming in and and sort of stealing my thunder. We need to find a way to, to get up in there as well." Um, yeah, I, I thought I thought Hemsworth and I, don't, I have no idea what the actor's name was that played. Lauda. And I'd argue he did a better job than Hemsworth too. Um, well, he he certainly had his moments of 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 portraying himself as that douchebag, but but you still always had a certain respect for it. Because all he was, he, yes, he was a douchebag, but it was all about the craft for him. 
And in some regards, you could look at that as more noble than Hemsworth's character, which was all about the, the glitz and the glamour around being this celebrity race car. Right, right. you never got the impression that Hemsworth's character actually loved the sport. No. It was all about the attention And that's sort of how it plays out in the end. It's like, he even says, that one championship, the the only reason Daniel Brühl played Nicky Lauda. And I've actually heard there's some early Oscar love for a Best Supporting Actor. It's never happened. No way in hell. But but it's interesting because... Even in the end, he says that that one championship was enough for James Hunt. And he died early. He died mm-hmm. at 44 from a heart attack or something like that. But it was really all about just that one that one championship that he won validated him as a person. Even though Nicky Lotto wasn't even in the race. Well, he pulled himself out of the race. And quite frankly, the only reason that, that James Hunt was even in the conversation is because of the wreck that led to right. Lotto being out. Because... Clearly, point for point, Lauda was a better racer. Oh, by far. Um, and, and you put them on the track ten times, and Lauda was winning eight or nine of them. Yeah. Even though you and I both had the same comment, what, and that was, if this is accurate, yeah. These there are were the only, 25 guys on yeah. each race. I think Clearly, there's 25. Yeah, right? something oh, like no. that. But it was the same two same in two, every race. Every two. Lauda or Hunt. Which, if that's the case... We're talking, arguably, some of the greatest, quote-unquote, athletes of the past 50 years. Sure. Um, So, from from all that perspective, uh, I liked what Ron Howard did with Lotus. Now, uh, there was a lot I didn't really like that he did. I thought he, uh, I don't know, he, he, I would have liked to have seen more racing. Not, and I and know a race there was a movie, lot, yeah. There was a lot in the end, but it was all around that last the race Tokyo, in Japan. The, the Japan race. With all that that thunderous rain and all this kind of stuff, which miraculously it turned out to be a sunny day at the end, but whatever. Um, it, it, it was a little overdone. It was a little over the top. Uh, even back in the 70s, uh, I, 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 yes, they do drive in the rain. They do this stuff. I'm pretty sure it wasn't quite to the extent as they show in this movie. Yeah, that was borderline typhoon level. Yeah, they started. I, yeah. Which, I mean, they're showing Japanese people underneath the stands and yeah. water's dripping through the grates all over them. Yeah, I, I, I can't buy into that. I thought that was a little heavy-handed uh, on Howard's part. I would have liked to have seen some more of like actual race footage. Because they nailed the race footage. On. And again, yeah. this isn't something Ron Howard's used to. He doesn't normally do those kind of shots. He's very people-oriented. The race shots in this movie were fucking gorgeous. They were good. They did a great job. The shots of like going through the tunnels in Monaco. It's interesting, um, you know, some of the safety measures that weren't taken back then, of like the flag wavers and the photographers. Just standing out there in the middle, yeah, of the I photographers mean, laying basically down, just just, just watching, asking them. to be run over by cars yep. and stuff. Yeah, crazy, crazy, and I believe that was accurate for, for oh, that I, time. I, it, it certainly was accurate. Um, that was crazy. Um, some of the side stories. Uh, Olivia Wilde is in this. She serves. Absolutely no purpose. No, and again, if you really did this as James Hunt film, yeah. then that character would have meant something because it was Barely. she was a a a celeb- was a celebrity model at the time, 
who he married. But again, it's but, but it's it a Jane felt, Cotton story through Nikki Lauda's eyes. It, it felt very tacked on. It's like, all right, well, he has to marry her because he did marry her. And there was really no... Right. No, and Lauda even nothing. commented on never having seen his wife. Right. And so you mar- I hear you married. I am. I've never seen her at the races. Yeah, well, mean, she's in New York. Well, okay. And even the even the Marjorie character early on... Uh, I didn't part. get that. Because, it's, especially with the person that everyone recognizes now. Well, it was, it was only, such a weird it was on. Only, she's just some... It was tacked on four. to prove that he was a playboy. Right. That's it. Whereas the chick, and I'm losing her name, that played Nikki's wife. I don't remember. I thought she did a pretty damn good job. She and did I love job. the scene where the, they first meet up and her car and her car breaks down. And yeah. she's like, well, we're in Italy. so And she goes out with, and she was pretty damn hot. Yeah. And the Italian guys in the car go slamming by and stop. And pull over because Nikki Lauda's on the side of the road, not him. Right, yeah. Because the thing people need to understand is, and, and this is completely accurate, you go overseas, Formula One is fucking huge. Oh, Here God. it's not because we have NASCAR. Yeah. Over there they scoff at something like NASCAR, that's the oval tracks. and Right. And I love the fact well, that... it's kind of like how in rugby scoffs at NFL football. Right. So you're doing the same thing, but you're all padded up. What was interesting with this is the Formula 3 race in the beginning, did you catch where it was? Watkins Glen. Yeah. Which is, for NASCAR fans, will tell you, it's one of the two road courses that NASCAR runs. And to me, the best race of the entire circuit. Oh, see, for me, it's boring. Oh, I love road courses. Because it's really not... Well, the Watkins Glen courses, there's not a whole lot of... <coughs> There's not a whole lot of uh, lead changes. There's not a whole lot going on. No, it's all in how you hit the corners and, yeah. and your your tire uh, air ratios and everything else. So, and I can see why people don't like it. And I would love to see it in the chase, but it'll, you'll never see a road course in the chase. But regardless, I, I found that interesting. Again, we're talking interesting. It's a biography. Right. Semi-biography. Um, well, there was a lot of characters there. Because ultimately this is... This is Lauda versus Hunt, and them trying to keep up with each other. Them trying to play off each other, trying to motivate each other to be better. So the side gigs there with with those with the females and stuff like that, just it's felt all window unnecessary. dressing. Yeah, it's all window dressing. It felt completely unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, uh, gorgeous when when they're when they're actually showing. You got that? Yeah, he's a pump? No, it's, a, it's a actually a twist top, but... I don't think it is. I don't think it was. Sure, no twist top. Uh, yeah, whatever. Um, you know, the racing scenes that they showed were great. And I, I take out that final racing scene because it was really more all about the drama, about the rain and stuff. So it really wasn't... The rain, the scorekeeping. Because yeah. when it ended, they showed them for some reason in fifth. But that, those in third. And, and that felt very Ron Howard to me. And it very, like I said, where I feel like he's Spielberg light. It felt very like... I'd be curious to see like if that's building, accurate. Building up to this crescendo of drama that's completely fabricated. And, and, and boom, there, there it is at the end. And eh, You know, I, I liked the movie. I was entertained with the movie. 
for me, it's going to be just like every other Ron Howard movie. I'm not sure I ever need to see it again. Um, but but it was it was well done. Uh, the performances were good, even though the even even the tacked on stuff with Olivia Wilde and all that stuff, it, they were good, albeit unnecessary characters. Uh, for me, it ends up at around a three out of five. I think it was a little more for you, but I think you're more of a racing fan. I am. Uh, for me, this movie's a four out of five. I I I, I thought. I would have liked more racing scenes, but I was absolutely enthralled in this movie. I, I, I found myself wishing that I'd been watching Formula One at the time. I've tried watching Formula One, don't care, I'm a NASCAR guy. But it's the same way I view NASCAR. I kinda I came into NASCAR in the past six years. I missed all the classic names. Dale Earnhardt, then three, never saw him race, not once. The Going back to the the petties and stuff, I've never seen it. And I always feel like I owe it to the sport to revisit that. And to a certain extent, that's the way I came out of this movie, is I really felt like I owe it to Formula One to go and revisit what Lauda did. Because, again, to me, as much as Hunt is the the face of this movie, this is a Lauda film. I will recommend to you to see the documentary Senna. I, I know I need to see about that. the uh, the Brazilian uh, driver Art and Senna. Awesome, and, and I'm not a Formula One guy at all, but this this movie is enthralling as hell, and I believe it's on Netflix streaming. It is. So I would I would highly recommend that. This felt very Senna meets Days of Thunder mm-hmm. because you had the Days of Thunder piece. Days of Thunder was, was the, that's all it was was the playoff between him and Michael Rooker. Absolutely. Um, but you you nailed it. This is a movie. If you're a, ra- a true racing fan, I think it'll play different than if you're not. Right. Me, I I I I've become a major racing fan. I I fucking love it. So it, it's a four to five. I can see though if you are not a racing fan, this movie won't play the same. And I can easily see a two and a half to a three and a five. Mm-hmm. There's no real repeat viewing factor here. I, I don't know that I ever intend to revisit this. Which I is probably Ron will. Right. But that, yeah, that I think we've hit upon that, which I've never considered. I think it's a Ron Howard trait. Mm-hmm. I there's I don't know that anything about his movies scream at you to ever revisit the goddamn things again. Yeah. There's no character development. There's nothing of that. It's, it's very it throws, it throws face you level. Right, throws it's you right just, into it. Here it is. Here's the movie. You can yep. go from there. And I'd love to have seen more racing shots, but what I got, I'm intrigued and want to look into Lauda and, and uh, uh, yeah, Hunt. Hunt a little more. So, yeah, for me, it's four to five, and for me it's bordering five. on three and a half, because, yeah. again, the, the movie kind of ended a little abruptly. I would have liked a little more in how James Hunt, if it's a James Hunt film, left the sport. Right. That was weird to me because everything about this movie, I thought I was going to a James Hunt film and got Nikki Lauda. Right. So, and who knows? Maybe Lauda is the more intriguing of the personalities. Yep. All right. So that's a review of Rush that's, and our marathon podcast. Geez, two, two and a, three quarters. Um, yeah, for those of you that uh, stuck it out, I owe you a hostess. Is hostess back? Yes, it is. A Twinkie. A Twinkie. I'll send you a Twinkie. 
If you leave us a review, right? You've got to leave us a review. Five star review. Yeah, sure. Yeah. If you give us a yeah. uh, one star, fuck you. With a the five, a five star review on iTunes will get you a box of Twinkies. I'll do that. Right. Yeah, you, you, I'm down. I'm guessing we'll probably regroup in about a few weeks with the horror podcast. We will, even though there's another movie we want to catch at IMAX in between. Gravity, gravity. But we'll talk. But about we'll talk about that at the horror one because we're. we're the horror, we're both huge fans of horror, and, and we we're spend some finally time getting back to an October with some horror going on. So, yeah, we're going to regroup for that one. Right on. So, at two hours and 48 minutes, we are out. Late. We love you. <laughs>